This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Good morning. Monday morning. It's Iron Bowl week. Uh, We have a changing of the guard. You'll be hearing from Michael Brauner. He is replacing Mark Heim this morning. And through Wednesday, Mark is on vacation. He'll be back with us on Friday. Nathan's in the studio, and a big thank you to Nathan for coming in. Now, we are broadcasting from Baumhauer's Victory Grill here at the Shops of Bel Air. I did talk to Matt Clark. He is the reigning general manager, and we talked about party platters. And I said, when's the latest? He said, look, we're open until 10 o'clock Wednesday. Now, look, I don't suggest somebody calling at 9.55 Wednesday night, and they are closed on Thursday. But most of Wednesday, they are open if you'd like party platters to help your Thanksgiving this coming uh, Thursday, give them a call. They'll be here to take your order. Uh, they will be closed on Thanksgiving, reopen on Good Friday uh, this coming Friday, of course. So, obviously, we'll be starting our preview of the Iron Bowl all week long. Special guests are lined up. Let me tell you who we have on the show today. Coming up at 6.30 for the Brian Bank Player of the Week, Jeff Kelly, who's uh, player Ryan Williams. Uh, was the player of the game. Uh, and then Bob Baumhauer is going to join us for a preview of the Iron Bowl. Rodney Orr, tighter insider on Alabama. And also to bring us up to date on how the Crimson Tide is doing when it comes to uh, commitments. John Ricchetti will have a golf report at 720. South Alabama football coach Kane Womack. And what a game they had. Their first ever shutout over an FBS team. They are bowl eligible for the second consecutive year. I don't know if you can play much better than their 28 nothing uh, score would indicate, but we'll talk to him about that. Willie Anderson, one of the all-time greats, played at Auburn, played for the Cincinnati Bengals. He's going to be the guest speaker tonight at the Palmer Williams uh, get-together. He'll be on the show. We're going to talk to Jason Ferguson against that debacle that was Auburn. And I guess we could start there, Michael, watching that game. It was like a 180 to the week before when Auburn totally dominated Arkansas. And in this game, New Mexico State never having beaten an SEC school. Auburn never losing to a non-Power 5 school since 07. And New Mexico State dominated from start to finish. They ran 65 plays. Auburn had 45 and in time, in the minutes of possession, it was all New Mexico State. And the way I characterize this game, Auburn's defense couldn't stop New Mexico State from making first downs, and Auburn's offense couldn't make any. Yeah, they, I mean, it was really a reversal from not even just last week, the last three weeks. It felt like Auburn had kind of turned a corner over the last three weeks and that, you know, Hugh Freeze finally has him in a play. And, again, it's just year one and expectations. What You can make whatever argument you want to make, but felt like, all right, Auburn's kind of back to a place where they're not just in, in a spot where they should beat the bottom of the SEC, where they're kind of expected to beat the bottom of the SEC. And then, all right, you got New Mexico State coming to town. You're a 25-point favorite. It's a tune-up game for the Iron Bowl. And then, and then 
you lay the biggest egg possible. I mean, New Mexico State had as many rushing yards as Auburn did total yards. It's it's unbelievable. You can throw out any statistic from the game, and it's it was just complete and utter domination in favor of New Mexico State. It, it really is unbelievable. I mean, it's kind of been a roller coaster of a season overall for Auburn. Obviously, the beginning part of the SEC schedule was brutal, and you can kind of excuse that. And then you, you turn a corner over the last three, and, and then... Uh, I don't know if it's a case of you just think you're better than you are and you didn't take the opponent seriously. I don't know how you explain something like that. So this is going to sound kind of strange. Uh, we've looked it up. Alabama's a 14-and-a-half-point pick. That's why I find Saturday's game – I don't. I, the word scary is something you say for Halloween, but here's my thinking on this. I'm not going to – I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to pick Auburn to win this game because usually the favorite wins. But I think you're going to see a totally different Auburn team. I think you're going to see an Auburn team that, like, played against Arkansas State. I think they're going to – I don't want to say this was a total wake-up call because you're too far into the season for that. And I'm not thinking that Auburn was looking ahead, not when you have only a record of 6-4. and four, But I do feel that playing at home – Hugh Freeze has had success against Alabama, a bite with different players, of course. And I just think this is a real, a real wake-up call that I just think they're going to come out from start to finish and play very, very hard. Not saying they're going to win, but I, it's, you know what it seems like? It's like putting a, a caged animal and letting them out. That's how I feel. Because the abuse they're going to take this week, the embarrassing loss, I think that's going to make them – play better yeah 14 and a half feels a little high i'd be curious to know in your opinion too what it would be had auburn handled new mexico state like they were supposed to probably around I don't know, nine or ten maybe i was thinking ten something like that uh so yeah i again I, i'm with you it's the iron bowl at jordan hare stadium that i'm never gonna take alabama in the in a blowout i mean remember in 2021 that spread was i think it was around 21 or 22 and you know, obviously we know how that game went. Auburn really should have won that game. It took a 98-yard Bryce Young drive at the end of the game, only for Alabama not to win. Obviously, they were nowhere near covering that spread, and, and uh, that was never going to happen. So, yeah, it's it's the Iron Bowl at Auburn. You never know what can happen. Yeah, nothing's going to change my mind. I'm going to take Alabama to win. I mean, they're on a hopefully a, 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 a streak here where they'll get to Georgia, and if they can beat Georgia, maybe get into the uh, Final Four. But... I saw. I didn't see New Mexico State beating Auburn. Don't get me wrong. I saw this being a lot tougher game than many people thought. I think New Mexico State was like an 18-point underdog. Reason, great coach in Jerry Kill. Great coach. Uh, their record, what were they, 7-3 and three or 8-3? and three. They had Seven already three, won the yeah. Conference USA. I, I, I didn't even know they were in Conference USA until this week. That quarterback was exciting. He was really, really good. And here's the deal. The Auburn defense had no answer for him at all. No adjustments, nothing. I figured that after Auburn fell behind 10-7, we'd see a different Auburn team in the second half. I mean, come on, they're playing at home. They're jacked up by the crowd. I didn't see any. In fact, it got worse. It's probably the worst part of the loss. I mean, we, we just read some of the stats. It's like, it's not the most unheard of thing to lose one of these games. By the way, Auburn paid $1.85 million for, for New Mexico State to be the. It's not an unheard of thing to lose a game like, you Wasn't know. Wasn't this a game that was supposed to have been played a few years ago and it got pushed forward? I can't. And, I can't and you recall. brought up a good point, too. 
Hugh Freeze, I don't think, wants to see New Mexico State on his schedule any more time because this is not the first time he got beat by them. Yeah, so they lost, Liberty lost to them last year. Liberty, by the way, beat New Mexico State this year. I don't know. People are saying New, Me- <laughs> New Mexico State might, or Jerry Kill might, uh, might own Hugh Freeze a little bit. Liberty might have a uh, New Mexico State, or, you know, well, <laughs> anyway. Um, all that being said, yeah, it's not the most unheard of thing to lose a bye game. Like, uh, you know, we all remember the uh, Troy LSU game a few years back. Michael, you know what it reminded me of a little bit? Maybe you disagree on this, and I don't even know if you were watching. It reminded me of Nick Saban's first year when he lost to ULM. Yeah. Remember late, right before the uh, Auburn game, they lost to ULM, one of the worst losses, well, certainly in Nick Saban's career there, but in in anybody's coaching career at Alabama. And and this game, uh, I know Craig Stevenson on AL.com wrote a story. This is one of the five worst losses in Auburn history. Now, arguably, it is I'm sure they've had worse losses than this uh, when you go back in history, but in the, let's say in the present company or the you know in this century it certainly would rank right up there. Yeah, I saw that comparison being made a lot. It's funny because that was 16 years ago today, as of like three years ago, the Nick Saban ULM loss. It, it, this was just really, really bad in the sense that how they were dominated, how they were outgained. Like, if you go back and look at the stats in the uh, ULM-Alabama game, like, Alabama outgained them pretty severely. That game was 21-14. I mean, this just, that's what I was saying. Like, you can lose these bye games. It's not unheard of. But to lose in the way that they did is to just, To lose at home oh. and to lose a one-sided game where you never had control of the game, where your defense was on the heels the entire time right after the opening kickoff, and the offense couldn't get anything going. I think Jacklis Hunter had, what, about 24 yards rushing? Yep. They uh, ran it more times with Peyton Thorne than they did with Chuck Lesnar. Yeah, and, and he had a few good runs, but believe me, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't from an Auburn standpoint. Uh, they got physically dominated by New Mexico State. All right, uh, unfortunately for Alabama, no chaos this week. All seven teams uh, won above them, so it comes down to the final two weekends now. Obviously, with games like Oregon, Oregon State, uh, let's. Oh, now here's the deal. I, I was following this game on my iPad. North Alabama was leading Florida State 13 to nothing. Yeah. Now a good friend of ours coaches North Alabama, Brent Dearman, and of course it became a one-sided Florida State win. But they lost their starting quarterback. A couple of things. I wonder. And of course we'll talk to Jerry Palm tomorrow. Does the committee consider this? Do you jump Washington ahead of Florida, even though a Florida State, even though Washington eked out another win over uh, Oregon State by two points? And down the road, now Florida State has Florida. Florida lost another heartbreaker this week at Missouri, lost in the final seconds. Um, and you wonder, and then of course they'll have to face Louisville now in the ACC title game. Is that a possible uh, loss and get them out of the final four? Yes, yeah, so I don't really love the argument that like oh the committee can move a team down because of an injury to a player you know perceived value to uh to a team when a player gets injured i understand it but at the same time i don't love like the idea of a group of guys sitting in a room deciding the value of a of a specific player to a team at the same time it did appear i haven't heard anything final on the jordan travis thing but the injury it it looked really bad it was serious uh at the same time 
I think you could move Washington ahead of Florida State solely due to the fact that I think Washington is better than Florida State, and Washington just earned another earned a big win on the road in Corvallis in a tough place to play. Washington's undefeated. They have a better resume than Florida State. Uh, we'll see what happens next week. I, I thought with Jordan Travis that that was a tough spot going into Gainesville already, so we'll see. You know, The backup is uh, Tate Rotemaker is his name. He performed fine against North Alabama, but it's against North Alabama, so we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, I think Louisville is a spot where you could get beat. Uh, Florida, Florida State certainly needs to go 13-0 in order to make the college football playoff. And I, I mean, if, if they do go 13-0, I don't, even without Jordan Travis, I don't see a situation where they get let out. But they certainly would be helped out by Alabama not going 12-1. and all right, we're going to take a break. There's so much to talk about. Uh, obviously, you got Ohio State, Michigan this week. Uh, Michigan's a four-point pick for the right to face the mighty Iowa Hawkeyes in the Big Ten Championship. And I, I had a, we'll get to that. And then, of course, we can talk about Jaden Daniels and, and Bo Nix, the games they had. So much to talk about in college football. We all talk some pro football. When we come back, though, name it. Another qualifier early. See who's up with us. See who can get it right. You'll be talking to Nathan at 694-1055. For Michael Bronner, I'm Lee Shervanian. This is the Monday version of the opening kickoff. We are live at Bob Baumhauer's Victory Grill. They open the doors at 11, but you can come by at 7 get your cup of coffee. Hi, I'm former Major League Baseball player Bernie Carbo. I listen to WNSP 105.5. Love every minute of it. name it this year michael close to it close to it if not quite uh you know it, it just we might have done it 620 once right. or twice i don't know we've done it like 35 times now <laughs> let's see we give away sure, six. Sure. wait a minute we give away six and we get nine qualifiers so after this week there will have been 54 wow now, so it's, right? it's more than 35 times yeah that uh math education i had in the Garden State. We, we owe Shirley Ellis some some residual checks, oh, I yeah. think. Yeah, 1965 that song came out. All right, let's. Uh, Nathan's going to play our sounder. You identify it, you qualify. Alec Naiman will be with us Friday to pick a winner. Go ahead, Nathan. That was easy. It's always easy, isn't it? Did you recognize that? No. I haven't got one right this year. <laughs> you haven't gotten a single one? No, 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 no. My brainwaves are off on another direction. So uh, give Nathan a call. Nathan, you get the qualifier. Uh, let Michael know who the qualifier is. We'll have a Chick-fil-A giveaway at 830. So, Michael, I mentioned when we left Ohio State and Michigan, mm -hmm. right? And the winner, of course, stays undefeated. Certainly me uh, going to the championship game. Now, I don't know the total ramifications. Whoever wins faces Iowa. As everybody knows, Iowa is one of the most pathetically challenged <laughs> offenses in, in history. Wow. They can never get over. They won 15 to 13 this week. But you know how the ball is. It bounces strange ways. What if Iowa won either over Ohio State or Michigan? Is it in the rules where the committee has to take the Big Ten champion? 
Oh, like are you asking if Iowa could make it? No, no, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, they have two losses, but I didn't know. Sometimes they say, well, whoever wins the conference championship. Yeah, I mean, in in that in that scenario, Michigan slash Ohio State would still only have one loss. I, I, in that scenario, I think the conference would get left out altogether. But uh, at the same time, you know, I think Michigan slash Ohio State, and I do think Ohio State's going to win. Uh, but they'd have one loss. So, yes, I think even after losing to Iowa, I still think they'd be more likely to make it than I. Let me just say it plainly. Iowa has no chance to make the college football playoff. I realize that. It's just a topic of conversation. All right. That would be something, though, wouldn't it? Alabama fans, of course, hoping for chaos. Get some teams out of there. Nothing happened this week. Washington, they stay undefeated. Florida State's undefeated. They've lost their starting quarterback. What about Texas? They did beat Iowa State. Many of us thought Iowa State could possibly win this game. So now, if Texas beats Texas Tech this weekend, they move into the Big 12 title game. But we don't know against who. There are so many scenarios it's not worth even getting involved with. But right now, Texas still with that one loss, but that one big win over Alabama. So where's the best chance now? Is it to get the ACC team out of there? Obviously, Alabama would have to beat Auburn and Georgia to even have a chance. Is it to get... Washington knocked off, and then I assume are they? We don't know yet if they're going to play Oregon yet. We know they're going to the title game. We don't know if Oregon is yet. Yeah, I think it depends on if Oregon beats Oregon, Oregon State next week, which they should. It's at Oregon, uh, so you know we've been talking about that hypothetical Washington Oregon rematch for a while. It, it seems like it's probably going to happen, and I do think Oregon is going to win it. Uh, so. I mean, it's quite a resume for Oregon at that point. You're 12-1. and one, Your only loss to Washington on the road by three, you end up avenging in the in the Pac-12 championship. Obviously, if Washington were to go undefeated, they're in at 13-0 at that point. There's no uh, there's no debate there. But I, I mean, again, it's it, it's kind of this, a similar case. If you're Oregon and you go 12-1 and one and win, you kind of got to hope that. Alabama, Alabama doesn't win the win the win the conference championship again, assuming they beat Auburn as well. Um, so, you know, I think a lot of these teams are kind of hoping Alabama doesn't it doesn't go 12 and one. A couple of other things: when the season began and Colorado had to win over TCU, we were all looking to Colorado as one of the biggest turnarounds in college football. It didn't quite turn out that way. In fact. They're not even going to a bowl game now. They, they lost that opportunity, but still better than last year, so give Dion credit. But there is a team out there which has kind of flown under the radar that has had the biggest turnaround. And when you think of all the adversity, that Northwestern is bowl eligible after the win over Purdue. They got the six wins. This was a team that was terrible last year that had the hazing scandal costing Fitzgerald his job. And then they put Braun in there as the interim coach, and now he is the full-time coach, and they're going to a bowl game. Northwestern, yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's one of the best stories of the season, isn't it? Isn't it? Northwestern becoming bowl eligible. I want to say they're over-under for wins at the start of the year. was like two and a half or something like that. So the fact that they're bowl eligible, you know, really one of the better stories of the whole season. Were you upset at all or concerned how LSU kept Jaden Daniels in to pile up big numbers against Georgia State? Do you actually think that helps them in a Heisman bid? When, when you get up to eight touchdowns, like it's, it's hard to ignore. Uh, but, you know, you, I, I also saw the point made that – 
you know, people could hold it against them that it's just stat padding. So I, I, I do get that side of it. Does it upset me? No, I don't. I mean, I don't care. Do whatever, <laughs> do whatever you want. Uh, it doesn't bother me if they want to try to. I, I think he should win the Heisman because I think he's the best player in the country. But at the same time, Bo Nix also threw six touchdowns in the first half. So I think Nix is going to win. He had more touchdown passes than incompletions. Yeah, that's so. There you go. All right, it's up there for debate. Uh, Daniels, Nix, and whoever else you want to put up there into the mix. We'll take a break. We're into uh, our first half hour. When we come back, Jeff Kelly of Sarah Land, they had another resounding win the other day. They will play undefeated Hillcrest Tuscaloosa this Friday. The only place you can find that game, right here on WNSP with Michael with the call. We're coming right back and talk high school football. game Eagles Chiefs than I am any NFL game on the weekend but we'll have time to talk about that Michael Bronner and I are broadcasting live at Baumhauer's Victory Grill they'll open up the doors at 7 this morning if you want to come by and say hello and maybe have a cup of coffee and if you ask they'll probably make you some beignets we are at Victory Grill where you eat drink and be legendary at Baumhauer's Victory Grill this holiday season the party platters you can order them as late as Wednesday They've got great menu items starting at just $7.99, like the traditional award-winning wings. Uh, Bob's also got a new place opening up in about two weeks at Foley. We will talk to him at uh, 6.50 this morning. But right now, we want to uh, talk high school football. Uh, Sarah Land's Ryan Williams named the Brian Bank Player of the Week. He could have won it any, any week. I mean, that's the kind of numbers he had. You know he's the reigning player of the year. We've got Jeff Kelly on the line right now. Coach, welcome to the opening kickoff. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well. Good morning, Lee. How are you? Good. Wonderful. Congratulations on this super season so far. Uh, three more games to get back-to-back titles, which is very, very difficult to do. But I wanted to ask you, only because I don't know, when the voting takes place for player of the year, do you get do coaches get contacted by those on the committee? Not really. You know, I, I don't really know who's on the on the committee. I mean, uh, of course, we always reach out, and try to try to um, let folks know all the great things that our players players have done and, and those kind of things. But uh, we've got some. I think great representatives in this part of the state that, that really does a great job advocating for the players in this area, and uh, and that's a statewide deal. So uh, there's there's great players all over the state, but uh, you know we're not really superly involved in that process. It's probably a better thing because I was wondering, and you don't even have to go there with me on this, but. What if somebody asked you, if, who would you pick, Lacey or Williams or maybe somebody else on your team? You have so many to choose from. Well, we've got a lot of great players, uh, you know, and we've had an outstanding year so far. And, you know, we still got, you know, some, some 
very challenging games coming up. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of a lot of the decisions on those kind of things are made, you know, late in the playoffs and in the championship games. I know if, uh, you know, if somebody goes out and has a great game in the championship game and leads their team to a championship, that, that really resonates with a lot of people that make decisions, I'm sure. Um, you know, Ryan is an outstanding player. He's going to play for a long time, and he does great things each and every week. And, um, you know, K.J. is, is uh, I think, the, the best quarterback in the country and, and how he's playing and, you know, really de- delivering the ball and doing a great job reading defenses and, and those kind of things. And um, it's, uh, you know, it's an outstanding uh, outstanding combination of guys. And, and uh, you know, our numbers may not be as what they were last year. I know Ryan's numbers aren't what they were last year, and, and you know, he's, he's really gets a lot of attention from defenses, and nobody kicks it to him. You know, nobody, he's only had one kickoff return all year, and uh, nobody kicks it to him. And, and uh, you know, so we're not really focused on those kind of things. We've got a huge challenge with, with uh, Hillcrest Tuscaloosa this week. And, uh, you know, we've got to be ready to play and play well. They're, they're a team that's good enough to win the whole thing. And, um, you know, I feel like there's a handful of teams in the state that's, that, that can probably say that and really believe it. And they are, they are one of them. And, uh, you know, we'll see them Friday night at our place. But, uh, you know, it's been a good year so far. Coach, you went down 7 nothing early up at Briarwood. Obviously, it didn't last very long. What was the mood like on the sideline after giving up that opening drive touchdown and then, of course, you know, being able to take the lead back and, and ex- expand on it very quickly? You know, I was probably more upset than anybody, you know. Just uh, we relaxed a little bit there on that one play. But, you know, we got the ball and, and, and quickly, you know, even the score there. And, and uh, you know, that happened a couple of weeks to us ago, a couple of weeks ago in McGill. You know, we got down and, uh, you know, people make a big deal about that. We hadn't been down in that kind of stuff throughout the year. But, heck, that's football. You're going to play good teams this time of the year and, and – uh, you're going to have to make plays and play a 48-minute game. And, and um, you know, it was uh, kind of business as usual. And, and you know, we stayed the course and, you know, started uh, started getting hot offensively and, and uh, defensively continued to put pressure on them. I don't think after that first drive, you know, um, uh, they may have got one first down in the game. I don't know, two first downs maybe, but it wasn't many. And, uh, you know, if it was me giving out a player of the week, I'd probably give it out to those 11 players on defense because they, they had an outstanding night. I've asked you about the defense a few different times, Coach, and they just continue to show out week after week after week. I mean, how much more can you say about what a unit this has been this year? I mean, you talked about them at media days, the chip on their shoulder they had coming into the year, and then they've really, they've really uh, held up their end of the bargain this year. You know, they really have, and they, they do it every week. And, uh, you know, I know it. Uh, people may get tired of, you know, talking about, you know, the success and that kind of stuff that, that we've been fortunate to have this year. But, uh, you know, defensively, they're going to give us a chance each and every Friday, and, and usually defense travels and defense plays well in tough weather and the rain and, and late in the season, and we got to continue to do that. And, and uh, you know, we've got some balance on that side of the ball. We've been 
you know, did a good job against a run so far. Our guys in the secondary, you know, provide good coverage, and, and we usually get some decent pressure on the quarterback. So those guys work hand-in-hand together, and, and Coach West, our coaches on that side of the ball, do a great job putting a plan together to take away some of the things that maybe another team does well. And uh, they, they seem to be prepared and, and, and play extremely hard each and every Friday night. Ryan Williams is the uh, Brian Bang Player of the Week. He had three touchdowns. He uh, caught a touchdown pass. He had a rushing touchdown and also had a, a return. And his usual game, as you, as the coach mentioned, he doesn't get to see the ball quite as much because teams have learned not to give it to him. Jeff, I wanted to ask you, I, I've always felt that in playoff games, uh, more so in the regular season, that playing at home is more of an advantage, at least in games that I've broadcast with our local teams going on the road. And I wonder if that's magnified during Thanksgiving week, where you really get to spend all week at home and you don't have to worry about travel arrangements and things like that. Do you do, you do anything differently uh, during Thanksgiving week getting ready for a playoff game? No, we, we kind of approach it the same way. You know, we'll, uh, you know, we'll go – today and tomorrow in the afternoon and then we'll go Wednesday and Thursday in the morning and we'll have a Thanksgiving meal Wednesday after practice and, and uh, get to enjoy that time with our family and uh, our team family and uh, get to get to feed our guys and, and uh, enjoy that but you know it's business as usual and uh, uh, when it gets down to, to Thanksgiving week usually it's the semifinal week this this year happens to be the quarterfinal so it takes a little bit of the uh, the luster off of it, but uh, anytime you're playing in the Thanksgiving week, you, you've had a great year, and you know when, when it gets down to you know late November, location really don't matter, you know, and the opponent really don't matter, you know, all those kind of things are just kind of what they are. You gotta you gotta show up and handle your business yourself. You gotta show up and get the job done, and and uh, you know I don't think you know, Chris cares where we play. I don't think we care where we play. You know, it's just, uh, you know, let's tee it up. Let's see what happens. You mentioned undefeated Hillcrest, Tuscaloosa. Are they similar to any team you have played this year? No, I don't think so. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're on a different level than most of the teams that we have played this year. They're, you know, uh, one of the best defenses in the state. Uh, arguably that they uh i know they, they allow very few points i don't think anybody scored more than 17 on them all year offensively they uh they got tremendous balance they run the ball extremely well they've got good receivers and a quarterback and throw it around so you know usually you know the teams we we have played up to this point are really you know maybe good at one or two of the phases or, or, or some aspects of the game but you know Hillcrest is uh, a well-coached team, they're a complete team, and a, a team that's not going to beat yourself. And, um, you know, we got to go beat them, you know, and we had a great game with them last year in the playoffs. Uh, I think I think both programs know. I mean, if you go and you pull the, the locker room to go crest, and, uh, if you talk to our guys here, uh, I think to get to uh, the finals, you know, one of the programs has got to beat the other. That's, that's probably the, the, the consensus, at least right now. And so, uh, you know, it's uh, it's going to be a two outstanding teams that all want the same thing. And I know there's two great teams on the other side of the bracket too, and, and Ben Russell and Pike Road. But you know, this these, this is the one we got to worry about this week. Coach, obviously, you guys haven't really been 
challenge since that Lipscomb Academy game. How much does that factor in just the fact that, hey, guys, you know, you really haven't played a close game? And how much does the fact that you did get that experience in the Lipscomb Academy game factor in as well? Well, I think I think that game prepared us for the entire year. I think that put us in some competitive situations where we had to go play and make plays late in the game to, to win it. And, you know, that's always a double-edged sword. You know, you you go through the rest of the season, you want to play well, you want to win big, you want to dominate your team. You don't want to, you know, necessarily be in close games, but on the other hand, you may beat them. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's something that's just kind of hard to control when you go out there and really not worry or think too much into that. You just try, take it one drive at a time, one play at a time, and, and try to go win that play. And, and whatever the score happens at the end, that's that's what it is. But uh, I, I think our kids have been in enough big games. When you look at the amount of um, experience and returners we have coming back from last year, you know, the defense is, is pretty much intact from last year. You know, the offense in large part is intact from last year. Those, those guys know how to play in big games. And I know we haven't had a lot of close ones so far, and we know they're coming. And, uh, you know, I've got belief in our guys that when they do come, we'll be ready to play and make those plays in those moments and uh, hopefully come out on the good end. But, you know, that's why you play the game. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll work real hard to prepare up and get a great plan together and, and – uh, I think I think we'll play well. Jeff, I really appreciate it. Uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you about the semis. You've got Hillcrest Tuscaloosa. will be there to broadcast at 6.50. Michael on the clock. I want to ask you one off-the-wall question, if you don't mind. The last time that Auburn lost a home game to a non-Power 5 team was to Southern Miss. I was just trying to think of the timeline. Were you on that team that beat them? No, I wasn't. I think that was, uh, I think that may have been our stage. I think that may have been in the early 90s back with, you know, right around 1990 with Brett Farm, if I, if I remember correctly. Okay. I was just curious when I was thinking about that. Uh, it would have made a great storyline <laughs> either way. But uh, we'll let you go. Uh, Michael Holland from Bryant Bank will be getting in touch with you. Congratulations to all the success to all your players this year. You have a great day. Talk to you later. Thank you. You bet. All right. Uh, I wanted to tell you about Dr. Christopher Mullinex at Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery. They've been our uh, title sponsor for our game days. We uh, numbered 19. We will not have a game day Friday because nobody's on campus. So, uh, But we'll send Michael out there with Brian Gennard to broadcast the game. And uh, let me tell you why I highly recommend going to see Dr. Mullinex for oral surgery. In my many years of getting dental implants, I've raved about the fact that you don't spend much time in the waiting room. You have very little paperwork. After the x-rays, you're in that dental chair, and 30 minutes later, you're back on your feet, and you're on your way home. And the next day, no pain and very little discomfort. I don't know what, what more I can say about that. Uh, that. That's the key to me, that I'm ready to go the next day, and I don't have to take any pain-killing medicine. Uh, his office, they open at 8, and they do take emergencies. And if you want to make an appointment, that number is 471 3381, located at 715 Downtowner Boulevard. When we return, Bob Baumhauer will be uh, joining us, uh, talk about the new restaurant, and give us a preview of the Iron Bowl, our first preview this morning 
on the Iron Bowl coming up this Saturday. For Michael Brauner and Nathan back in the studio, I'm Lee Shervaney, and this is the opening kickoff. Hey, this is Amari Cooper. You're listening to Sports Radio WNFP. jumping than Mr. Bob Baumhauer. Uh, I'm talking about uh, when he sings, not so much leaping in the air anymore, but uh, we're so glad he has joined us here at uh, Victory Grill, which is named after him because it's his restaurant. Bob, good morning. Happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, good morning. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. All right, let's sum up holidays, festivities at Victory Grill, gift cards, party platters, and what else? All the above, sauces, um, including your favorite, the white barbecue. Um, and and uh, I was just talking to somebody about the white barbecue. Uh, Leslie was part of a uh, a uh, dance recital over here in Fairhope, and um, uh, they uh, put some together, put together a nice little. And she was in she was in charge of the culinary, well, part of it. And they did a really nice little salad with some uh, mojo chicken, <clears throat> and they used your white barbecue sauce as a dressing, and everybody loved it. And I said, that, that's, uh, that's Lee Trevanian through and through. <laughs> he uses white barbecue you, for everything, including salad dressing. My turkey, so, my turkey uh, We've got our sauces uh, good to go for the holidays. They make great stocking stuff, uh, stuffers and uh and like you said, the gift cards. And then we also have some really nice uh, retail right now, hats and shirts and stuff like that for uh, um, uh, holiday Christmas gifts as well. My turkey. I know most people will drip it in gravy. Mine will be on the white barbecue sauce. So you're opening a new place in Foley in a couple of weeks. Tell us about it. Well, we're real excited about it. We've, we've actually been talking to the Tanger folks off and on for a long time, and uh, we've got a. We're really excited about this location. It's at the back of Tanger, next to the uh, uh, Nike outlet, and uh, because of that, you've got parking uh, on the back side of the restaurant that um, is uh, you can you can access from the back near where all the uh, Foley's sportsplex fields are, and Owa and all the above there. So we're real excited. It's the biggest store we've. Uh, ever done and uh, it's going to have an interactive area out front for some cornhole and ring game games stuff like that and then um, it's going to have a uh, separate I, I guess you would call it a uh, special event room party room so we're we're excited and tanger uh the folks at tanger have been very 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 welcoming and um uh i hope the city of foley and L.A., Lower Alabama, enjoys us being down that way. How do you feel now? You're going to be the first person we've asked this week for the preview of the Iron Bowl this coming Saturday. <laughs> I, I feel like I do every year. That no, it doesn't matter who. Uh, it doesn't matter who's favored. The game is the game. The best rivalry in college football. <clears throat> um, I talked to Tom Banks last week, and 
um, talked to some of my other Auburn buddies, and I talked to, you know, obviously all my Alabama buddies, and it's the same thing. I mean, Auburn loses a tough one, uh, which is going to uh, make them that much more hungry uh, to be able to do a good job in the Iron Bowl, and it's going to be typical Iron Bowl. It's going to be a tough, competitive game, and uh, being played in Auburn, it makes it that much tougher if you're an Alabama fan, Alabama player. Bob, what's your best Iron Bowl memory? Oh, Lord. Uh, probably from my junior year when, when I was playing. That was uh, like even back then, it was tough, tough game. And um, they had a really, really tough quarterback named Phil Gargas uh, and uh, um, a, a good, tough team. And um, we played well. And back then, the Iron Bowl was always played in um, Birmingham in Legion Field, and uh, um, I uh, I had a good game. It was actually it was a, it was on ABC and back then. I don't know if you remember, you guys ABC had a player defensive player of the game, offensive player of the game, and I was the defensive player of the game. So there's not a better place to show out if you're uh, at the University of Alabama as a football player than the Iron Bowl, and then being being uh, the defensive player of the game was a big, big, big honor. Still a big honor. I, I still have pictures and and um, great memories of that game. Bob, again, many, many thanks uh, for joining us, and we look forward to getting you back next Monday for a review of what happened in the Iron Bowl. We'll let you go. Have a wonderful <laughs> yeah, week right, and a very David, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, you guys have a very happy Thanksgiving. Bye-bye. You better believe it. By the way, happy hour uh, here at uh, Von Harris Victory Grill, Monday through Friday, 11A to 6P. Michael, bring us up to date. First of all, we had a qualifier, and then what's going on in the Pigskin Pete contest? There's a lot going on in the Pigskin Pete contest. We had a qualifier. Congratulations to Tim Laffin on that one. We'll give away, uh, I believe, the last tailgating party on Friday, so look forward to that. All that being said, yeah, things are heating up in this uh, in, in this pick'em contest so obviously i believe his name was bill he went six and one in the first week picking games right now our morning show picker as well as our evening show picker they're both five and one they both have kansas city tonight so if kansas city were to win tonight we have two guys to go six and one in the final week knocking out the first week guy if philadelphia wins the guy from the first week wins the competition if kansas city wins we have two guys go six and one and we're gonna have to have some sort of tiebreaker i believe we'll probably just pick thanksgiving games as well as the uh first edition of the black friday game for the nfl on friday and uh and do that as the tiebreaker but yeah i think that's all pigskin told me that it's only happened one time in the history of the contest and uh it did if kansas city wins we have a tie who do you who do you like tonight kansas city's at home we'll carry the game at seven o'clock tonight yeah i think philadelphia is the better team but uh, Kansas City's at home. I don't think they're going to lose again. I don't know. I, 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 I lean slightly towards Kansas City. Great matchup. Two teams that were in the Super Bowl. And, and again, you'd have to put them up among the favorites to make it this year. Although you rarely get back-to-back teams in the Super Bowl. It doesn't happen. Even to get any of the teams back, it's very difficult. So uh, it'll be a fun game to watch. Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, just to name a few. Uh, Travis is girlfriend going to show up <laughs> she's on concert tour now isn't she'll, she uh yeah she's got better things to do i'm apparently. sure she does 
Any, Lee, Lee's favorite person. Oh, yeah. Any uh, thing in the NFL yesterday that stood out? I'm going to tell you, for me, nothing really. I watched a few games. There wasn't a blockbuster game. There was only one game that came down to the final buzzer, and that was the Browns. Um, how about we do? Texans won again. I mean, granted, they beat the Cardinals, but they certainly seem to just keep on winning. Uh, you know, there were some close games. Tommy DeVito and the Giants, your New Jersey guy, uh, helping out the Patriots, by the way, giving them a better draft position. So, yeah, it was a pretty boring slate. Uh, the Jets got smoked by the Bills, so maybe the Bills are back a little bit. Zach Wilson finally got benched for Tim Boyle, but, you know, we'll uh, we'll see what happens there. Rod Orr with an insight to Alabama-Auburn and also updating us on Alabama recruiting. That's next, the second hour of the opening kickoff live from Baumhauer's Victory Grill. The doors will open if you want to come by and have some coffee and beignets. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. All right, on the road here at Victory Grill, shops of LRR changing of the guard. Michael replacing Mark, who is on vacation through Thursday. We'll be back with us on Friday for our pre-Iron Bowl show, but we're going to be talking about it all week. In fact, Rodney Orr is standing by. He'll be on with us now talking about the Iron Bowl. We've got uh, Kane Womack joining me at 8.30, uh, 7.30 with that terrific win they had. And Willie Anderson, the former Auburn star lineman in the NFL. He's going to have a few minutes with us at 7.50. But here at Victory Grill, uh, every Sunday from 11 to 6, featuring all NFL games and uh, lots of uh, drink specials. And also, if you haven't done it yet, uh, take advantage of the uh, NFL uh, contest they have going where you can receive a $100 Baumhauer gift certificate and the overall season winner will win $500 Visa gift card. So you have to uh, visit bombhowers.com to enter. And we've got the Eagles and the Chiefs this evening on WNSP. Rodney Orr, Tighter Insider. Rodney, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning, Lee. How are you? Wonderful. I want to get a preview, first of all, before we get into recruiting. Your thoughts on this Saturday's Alabama-Auburn game, and do you think the loss by Auburn makes it a little more difficult to uh, maybe ascertain as to what kind of an Auburn team may show up to take on Alabama. Well, you know, first of all, you know, looking at Alabama, I thought they did a great job there, obviously, against Chattanooga. You know, they came out, uh, played fast, jumped out to a quick 21 nothing lead. I, I think that's the good thing is that, you know, they jumped out right out of the gate, Lee, and played pretty much a whole game. Uh, you know, as far as Auburn, I got to watch a bit and pieces of that. I'm not really sure exactly, you know, what happened. It was certainly surprising to me, uh, you know, that they would lose, uh, much less lose by three touchdowns. I mean, it was pretty, uh, you know, pretty incredible to watch. I mean, it was uh, unbelievable. But, um, you know, as far as how it relates to, to this game, uh, you know, it, 
You know, who knows? I mean, Lee, did Auburn spend a lot of their week last week preparing for Alabama? I mean, it kind of looked that way. I mean, if you just watched him, because I, I don't know that there's a lot of other reasons to explain it other than, you know, I do understand that New Mexico State's a really good team and Jerry Kill's a great coach, but um, you know, again, I, I don't really sure, not really sure how it impacts, you know, this this game because I still think both teams would be highly motivated regardless of the circumstances. You know, just as I saw the Auburn team seemingly getting better, they won a few games in a row, they became ball eligible. Is it just because on the uniform it said Aggies or New Mexico State that they could play as poorly as they did and 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 basically be dominated the whole game? I don't have an answer for you. I thought the same thing you did. Were they looking ahead? The players that were quoted say, no, they weren't. I don't have an answer. Yeah, I mean, it was. I thought Auburn the week before against Arkansas played extremely well. I mean, they put up a lot of points. Uh, They were on the road. It was a pretty impressive win, and you thought the same thing you're talking about. I mean, it was their third straight win. I I get it. It was against three of the lesser teams, if not the three uh, maybe uh, worst teams in the the SEC. But still, you won three in a row, uh, uh, you know, in a a situation where you had been somewhat struggling uh, throughout the course of the early part of the year. Uh, but, you know, you won three in a row, you were on a great track, and to be able to go to Arkansas and win the way you did, and then all of a sudden that happened. I, again, I, I don't know, Lee, exactly how it's going to, you know, uh, relate to the, this game on Saturday. I'd be very surprised if, 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 you know, both teams aren't well prepared. Rodney, how do you think the, uh, we're sitting here at 14 and a half. We, Lee and I had talked about this earlier. How do you think the point spread would have changed had Auburn done what they were supposed to do and beaten New Mexico State at least by a few touchdowns? Well, I'm not, you know, again, I'm not really an expert on the lines, so I don't know how, you know, what they, how those things operate. But, I mean, I'm sure it wouldn't have been that high. Uh, you know, and that that's a pretty big spread in this game. I, I think that Auburn has is, is shown some uh, – Throughout the season, they've shown that they can play really, really well. I mean, you look at the Georgia game, and it was a 27-20 game. I think it was the way it ended up, and I watched that game. And, uh, you know, I thought they played extremely well that day, and so they're certainly capable. With Auburn, it's it's been such a roller coaster of a season. They haven't, re- until the last couple of games, really haven't showed a demonstrated ability to throw the ball. How do you see this matchup, you know, removing the fact that the Iron Bowl on paper, how do you see this Auburn team matching up with Alabama both on offense and defense? Well, I mean, again, I think that, uh, you know, you are right. They are a strong running team, Auburn. I think they've run the ball pretty well. Jarquez Hunter is obviously a you know top-notch running back, and, you know, they've got some other guys that I think, uh, you know, run the ball well, too. The, the quarterback seems to be a, a pretty solid runner as well. Uh, you know, I haven't been able to watch them a, a ton, to be honest with you, but this is just what I've seen. Um you know, and I think defensively they were real, they have been pretty good. I mean, they were only giving up what less than 350 yards a game. I think it was total offense, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere in that neighborhood. So uh, they've been pretty good defensively. Um, you know, again, I, I just think you know from an Alabama perspective, I mean, I think you certainly have to stop the run and force uh, Thorne and to make him into a passer. Uh, and I think that's probably what they'll try to do. And if they can make him, you know, have to throw when they really when he's not comfortable doing it in bad situations, uh, 
then I think that's probably obviously to Alabama's benefit. And, you know, on the flip side of that, I think if you're Alabama offensively, you just want to come out, you want to protect the ball, you don't want to give them any opportunities. Uh, you know, I know that's cliche-ish, but it's really the truth. Uh, and, and then I think but you want to be able to, to, to pretty much control the tempo there. And uh, to the best of, you know, what you can do is kind of keep that crowd out of it. Rodney Orr, tighter inside of Rodney. Bring us up to date on the Crimson Tide recruiting efforts as we're getting closer and closer to early signing day. Well, Lee, I mean, obviously, it's to be honest with you, it's, it's been pretty much over. Uh, you know, they've got a few spots that, uh, you know, they they're certainly still recruiting four, five, six top targets uh, that they'd like to have. I mean, they need a running back. And the question is, is it going to be Daniel Hill at a Meridian? Uh, or will it be Kiwan Lacey uh, out of Lancaster, Texas? Those are those are two of the top guys. I know a kid from uh, the Columbia High School over in Decatur, Georgia, Jordan Bow, who's a uh, commitment. Uh, Jaden Bow, who's a co- commitment to uh, Arkansas right now, was, was supposed to be here on a visit this weekend, unofficial. Uh, so they want a running back. They, they're in on a left tackle or could play right tackle as well, I guess. Uh, uh, Jordan Seaton, the number one offensive tackle in the country. Uh, we had him earlier in the year pegged for Alabama, uh, even though, you know, obviously a lot of other schools are involved with him, whether it's you know, Tennessee, Florida, Ohio State, you know, Colorado, et cetera. So several other schools are involved. Um, you know, you want to get defensive linemen, and, and the one that I've, I've there, there's several that they're recruiting, three or four, that they would like to at least get a couple. Um, you know, whether it's Elias Williams out of Hudson, Florida. Dylan Evans is one out of uh, Longview, Texas. Now, here's the interesting thing on him, Lee, is that, uh, you know, he's committed to Texas A&M. So how does Jimbo Fisher's situation there being fired, uh, does that impact that? Because Dylan is supposed to make an official visit to Alabama in December, I think on the weekend of the 8th or the 10th. So I'd keep an eye on that. Uh, they're recruiting a kid out of Mississippi from Houston, Mississippi, named William Eccles, is another defensive lineman that's a that's a really top player. Solomon Williams is a pass rusher, a guy, an edge guy out of um, Tampa, Florida. It's Alabama and Oregon are probably his top two. Texas is still lurking as well. And there's a kid in Kansas City named Jay Sean Ross, who's another edge player. And uh, Alabama, Kansas State's been in there real heavily. Uh, some other schools, a couple other schools in the Midwest. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens there. But, you know, there's just not a – to be honest with you, Lee, it's, it's kind of, you know, where it is right now. I think the real focus after this will be the transfer portal because I do think Alabama's going to continue to dabble in the portal, maybe even hit it a little bit harder than even last year. Talking to Rodney or tighter insider. Rodney, how do you see the quarterback situation playing out this offseason? Obviously, you're bringing in Julian Say, and it seems like Jalen Milrow probably will be the starter next season. Ty Simpson has had pretty limited action this season. He looked pretty good on Saturday. Of course, dropped the ball at the goal line. I mean, Dylan Lonergan finally gets some action as well. It really seems like someone has to go if, if you were – if you were um, predicting that so how do you see the situation playing out this offseason well I mean I agree with you I mean certainly obviously you know Jalen Milrose had a fantastic second half of the year um, you know, it'd be hard to see 
uh, him being unseated at this point. And I, and I think Ty Simpson has continued to develop really, really well. And don't forget, now he's really only a redshirt freshman. Um, so he's he's got he's got plenty of time uh, to continue to develop. And I think it's been beneficial to him to have had that time, even though I know he really competed hard and, you know, certainly in his position wanted to, to win the job. But, um, you know, so I think Ty's got an extremely bright future. I hope he hangs in there. You know, the funny thing is, is when he committed, he said, you know, he didn't mind if he was like Mac Jones and, you know, just developed over a few years and, and you know, maybe only played a year or two, said he could he could handle that. And, you know, now we're getting ready to see because I think, he, you know, he's going to be challenged in terms of, you know, having to wait again next year. Uh, and, and you mentioned some of the other players. I mean, obviously, Dylan Lonergan's an extremely talented young player. He's a true freshman, redshirting. Heard a lot of buzz about him. Uh, there's some people that'll tell you he's the best uh, potential uh, uh, quarterback they have right now. You know, before Julian Sayan gets here, as you mentioned, in December, and Julian is uh, considered by some to be the number one high school quarterback in the country. So it's going to be it's going to be a loaded room. And you know, for anyone out there who says Nick Saban's kind of lost his touch in recruiting or uh, doubts that they're really working the recruiting trail hard. Uh, I think you just look at this quarterback room, and it's probably got as much uh, young talent as anybody in the country. Do you continue to find out more what's going on in recruiting? How do people need to subscribe to Tider Insider, Rodney? Well, it's TiderInsider.com. It's only $48 a year, and you can get instant access with your credit card, or if you prefer, there is an address there. Uh, to send a check, gives you all our premium information, but also our all sports forum. That's our community of Alabama fans, and you know it's just we have a great community there. A lot of exchange, a lot of information, a lot of opinions. It's pretty much nonstop there on TiderInsider.com. Thank you so much. We'll be in touch. Thanks, Rodney. Have a wonderful week. Okay, guys, take care. Coming up next, John Ricchetti, Miller Lake Golf Report, 7:30. Kane Womack, South Alabama football coach. That's next up. Here in the second hour of the opening kickoff, live from Baumhauer's Victory Grill, featuring Michael Bronner, yours truly, Lee Shervanian, and Nathan back on the board. Hey there, this is Bob Baumhauer, ex-jock, head fry cook, and I listen to 105.5 WNSP, Mobile, Alabama. Ready to go, go on the report, the Miller Lite Golf Report. We're broadcasting live from Baumhauer's Victory Grill here in the shops of Miller, where they've got the holidays uh, party trays ready for you. And I'll take orders up through Wednesday. They're off on Thursday, but if you, even if you wait to the last minute, uh, Matt says they can get your order ready. Uh, you can get anywhere from the legendary party-ready tray selections from the always fresh buttermilk fried chicken tenders to the homemade Nana's chicken salad. With that, we bring in John Ricchetti. And, Johnny, I, I, one thing that stood out, and I'm sure you're going to get to it, is the return of Tiger Woods. Where does that stand? Well, uh, yeah, actually, guys, a lot of lot of news in the world of golf, obviously, this weekend. And I guess we'll start with the uh, biggest news is the big cat, Tiger Woods, is set to resume play next weekend uh, in his tournament, the Hero World Challenge. Uh, set to make his debut as I, you know, we had all the speculation for the last three weeks about him hitting golf balls and 
caddied for his son four rounds and I guess was all to check to see if he had enough stamina in his legs uh, to play. So he's going to give it a go. So Tiger Woods will be back in action. Hasn't played since till, uh, since he withdrew from the Masters back in April. So and he's had a couple surgeries, uh, but we'll see what uh, how he looks in a couple next in a couple of weeks, and hopefully uh, he'll you know he'll be able to give it a go, and we can see Tiger Woods at the uh, Masters in 2024. Uh, that being said, some other news. Obviously, the PJ Tour, the final event uh, of 2023. Ludwig Edberg uh, wins the 24-year-old Swede that played at Texas Tech just six months ago, Lee. And to think that he was in a Ryder Cup and also won on the year on the DP European Tour now has a PGA Tour all in the span of six six months, and and he shoots 61, 61 uh, over the weekend, which is incredible golf, 122. Uh, in the final two rounds, and he wins it, and he tied a tournament record 253 as the lowest scoring round, four rounds on PGA Tour. So we got a lot to talk about tonight uh, on the show. And Nicholas Hayberg wins on the DP World Tour Championship. It concludes their season on the Euro- on the European Tour, and also another bit of no- uh, tidy little note. Uh, Paul Azinger's contract with NBC Sports and NBC Golf has not been renewed, uh, so Zinger will not be in the booth any long, along with Dan Hicks covering NBC. So we'll just wait to see who his, re- his replacement will be. Speculation that I'm hearing, it could be Nick Faldo because Nick Faldo was with CBS Sports, and the reason that he retired, that he didn't want to work you know, 25 to 30 events a year, and looks like NBC Sports, you might get somewhere between 10 to 15 a year, and that might suit him better. So we'll cut, keep a, keep an eye on this story to see who will be the lead analyst uh, to replace Paul, Inger, Paul Azinger on NBC Sports. That being said, we'll be on the air tonight at 6 o'clock live from Terry Thompson Chevrolet with a complete recap of the world of golf. Appreciate it, Johnny, and we'll check in with you Friday after Thanksgiving. Happy All right. Thanksgiving. All right. Have a All right, great of course, week. Well, have tonight, a great weekend. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thank you. So, Michael, I know we're running out of time. We're getting ready to talk to the South Alabama football coach, but did you take anything away from Alabama's win? I know it was impressive score-wise, but they were only playing at FBS school. Yeah, I mean, I, I think to take away a lot from these games is – is foolish, but they, they they did what what you want them to do. They won by 56. Jalen Miller looked good. Ty Simpson came in and looked good. Of course, again, dropped the ball at the goal line, but he ran really fast before he dropped that ball in the 79-yard, what should have been a touchdown, but it is what it is there. Uh, Justice Haynes, I mean, a lot of freshmen looked really good for Alabama, which is nice to see in those games. You know, the key in a game like that is that you survive without a, a major injury, and, and I'm, I have to believe that was the case. Yeah. Caleb Downs came in after Kool-Aid fumbled oh, another punt. Right. He returned that, a punt That was really the big story. Yeah. The change, yeah. we'll, hopefully we'll get more to that. All right, Michael Broner joining me, Lee Shervanian at Baumhauer's Victory Grill. Doors are open if you want to get a cup of coffee on your way to work. We're going to be back to talk about the Jags' shutout win, the first-ever shutout win over an FBS school. That's coming up next to be followed by Willie Anderson.
Talk about a team that took care of business. You'd have to say that South Alabama certainly measured up to that, whether it be offense, defense, special teams. The Jags with one of the more impressive wins, not only this year, but, but ever. 28 nothing to become bowl eligible. So glad that we got Kane Womack joining us this Monday morning at Baumhauer's Victory Grill. Kane, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Hey, good morning. Glad to be on with you guys. You've had some very impressive wins this year. The Oklahoma State came to mind, but... Would, would you classify this one as perhaps the team's best when you consider all facets of the game? Um, I don't know. I, I think it's a good win. I, I don't know if I would, you know, where I would kind of classify it in, in the wins we've had this year. Obviously, we've had some decisive victories. Um, you know, here's what I'm, I'm really proud of, though, is I'm proud of how responsive we've been the last couple weeks. Uh, you know, you, 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 you've had some hardships, you've had some, some tough losses, uh, and I thought our guys have really kind of worked through that the last couple of weeks and, and found a way to win two, um, you know, hard-fought hard ball games, uh, beating a, a very good Arkansas State team right now who's playing probably the best that they've played in three years. Um, uh, and uh, and then to be able to kind of dominatingly, uh, you know, get after a, a Marshall team that just had a massive Georgia Southern win last week and, and uh, you know they got one of the best backs in the league and a, and a very good defense, uh, in particular with their D line. So it was hard, uh, hard fought. We had to run the ball to to win the game. We got, you know, obviously from a defensive perspective, it was it was really tremendous to to get a shutout. I mean, an FBS uh, shutout. Those things don't don't happen very often, and, and the first time in our program's history. And so, I was very proud of of our defense for that. And then. Of course, our, our special teams have been phenomenal this year. I mean, they've really done a tremendous job, and and uh, and, and Saturday was was a, a, a great, um, you know, just a great performance by those guys. Coach Bull eligible for the second year in a row. Obviously, expectations that were so high at the beginning of the season. Maybe it hasn't been quite the season you guys wanted to have some some very high highs and some low lows. But talk about just how proud you are of this group to weather the storm and get that sixth win and still another one on the slate and bull eligible for the second year in a row. Well, we you know we talked about um, we talked about this team doing hard things in hard times. You know, um, I think you know football is hard. It's always hard, and and it takes a lot of work and effort and energy. Um, but it makes it a little bit easier if you're rewarded by a win every single week. And uh, certainly, you know, this year we've had some great wins and we've had some tough losses. Uh, and I think our guys have fought through that and they've done hard things in hard times to get this team in position to where we can, you know, uh, we can advance into the postseason. And and uh, and so, you know, that's really special. Um, I want to see us continue that. I want to see us continue to, to work to finish well this week against a very good Texas State football team that, that's explosive in, in pretty much every area. Um, and uh, and so, uh, you know, that leads us into momentum and into a bowl game. And so um, those are the things that I'm excited to finish well with this team, but certainly – I'm very proud of, of their ability to do hard things in hard times. Talk about the return of Braylon McReynolds. We talked to him last week on the air. Uh, how is he coming along after his, what was almost, he lost almost half the season with an injury? Yeah, I would say, uh, I guess probably more than half the season, right? I mean, he he was it went down against Tulane, um, and then we, we felt like, um, started to get the idea that he was potentially going to be back uh, against Arkansas State, and that would give him three games to play 
and still preserve his red shirt. You know, I don't. Obviously, you guys are probably familiar with that, but you know, you can play four games before you have to uh, uh, you, you utilize one of your four years of, of eligibility. Um, and so he's been able to do that. Plus, he'll be able to play in the bowl game because those things don't count in those four games either. So it really worked out great um, in terms of his timeline being available. Uh, I would have loved to have had him for all 12 games instead of just four games of the regular season. Um, but, man, he is just um, hes such a great presence out at practice. Um, he's got tremendous work ethic. He brings great energy to our team. And I think our players, you know, felt his presence being back these last couple of weeks. Um, and, uh, you know, he started out, out, out on kind of a pitch count against Arkansas State. Um, and, uh, and then we were able to kind of cut him loose this past week. And uh, obviously he does some special things with the ball in his hand. Another guy, Coach, that, of course, and Kane Womack, South Alabama Jags, head coach, our guest on the opening kickoff this morning, another guy that battled through some injuries this year, Carter Bradley. He's just been so critical to the program over the last year and a half since he's transferred in. Talk about the impact that Carter has made in his time as a South Alabama Jaguar. Well, I mean, that that's one that, you know, you could speak quite a while just on, on the um, – you know what Carter's done for this program. I mean, you know, to come to come here out of the transfer portal, you know, played was a starter at at another program, had success there, uh, broke records there, um, and then has come here and, and, and broken uh, pretty much all the passing records that uh, that we have. And uh, you know, came in was just a great teammate. Um, didn't try to just take over the team. Um, you know, worked to earn the respect of his teammates has worked really hard to uh, build a chemistry with our with our offensive skill players, um, with our offensive line, uh, you know, our coaches. I think him and Major, you know, just more and more on the same page this past year um, after after being together for a year. And so some really special things. And then for him to fight through some of these injuries, of course, you know, you, you want guys to stay healthy through the whole season. We would have loved to have had, had him, you know, in, in the Troy game, but also um, – uh, you know, I thought Gio Lopez did a tremendous job stepping in, and, and the future looks very bright with him. Uh, but just for Carter uh, to battle back in these last couple games and, and play uh, the way he's played is, is really impressive. Kane, I can't thank you enough for joining us. Uh, look forward to the game on Saturday facing the former LSU Auburn quarterback T.J. Finley and uh, Texas State, and it, hopefully you'll come home with another win and I get to seven wins, and, and we'll talk to you hopefully in another week or two, and not only about what the season, but about recruiting because we're getting very close to signing day. Yeah, you know, we we, uh, we obviously I'm, I'm kind of – there's things that I can't necessarily say in recruiting um, until we sign these players, but it's been a great year for us. Um, we've, we had a number of, of guys in commitments that were here this weekend um, and that was that was really great to be able to celebrate with them, see them, um, and uh, and just you know our football team uh, starting to see what the future holds with some of this uh, these recruiting classes, and then you're also starting to see some of these younger players um, that we've recruited the first couple of years here that are going to step up, you know, here at the end of the season and also going into 2024. So it's exciting. I think our best days are ahead of us, and we're fired up. You know, we haven't really spent much time on this before I let you go, but every game it seems like Colin Lacey is either at 100 yards or thereabouts, a number of catches, and, and I think for a week or so, wasn't he leading the nation in pass receiving? 
Yeah, I think he's. I think he's still pretty far up there, if I remember correctly. I think he's top three, four, five, something like that. I mean, you know, Colin is just so gifted with the ball in his hand, and you know, he creates a lot of yards after catch, a lot of yards even after contact. Um, and uh, and so, you know, when you the part of why he's he has so much, you know, so many yards, is because he's so consistent. He's in the right place every single time. And if you're a quarterback. You know, you you tend to always work to those guys that you trust, right? And his consistency in the way he practices, the way that he plays, um, and being a guy that you know, hey, if you throw a ball to him, he's going to go make a play for you. And that's certainly what he's done this year for for Carter, and um, and and been a you know just a, such a huge piece of our offense. And it's it's pretty special when a Mobile guy chooses South Alabama and then gets to go live out his dreams and and is doing it at the highest level. That's a that's a pretty neat thing. What's your favorite uh, Thanksgiving Day meal of Kane? <laughs> you know, um, uh, we were, uh, uh, I was just thinking about that this morning. You know, it's amazing how fast, you know, the season goes. And this season has felt like it's it's really flown by. Uh, and here we are already to Thanksgiving week. I'm, I'm a... I, I like I like the tailgate mentality. I want a little bit of everything. You know what I mean? I want to try about, about everything on the on the table. Um, and uh, and so you know I'm kind of one of those like I like to pick at things all day long. Um, you know we, we uh, for me Thanksgiving has always been with a football team because my dad's career and so I, it just wouldn't wouldn't feel like Thanksgiving unless I was with a football team and and eating and hanging out with them. So I'm I'm looking forward to to that this week. Can't thank you enough. Good luck this coming Saturday. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Kane. All right. Thanks, guys. Jay's up and out here. You bet. On deck, George Spurlock, our team of the day, also Willie Anderson. I'm going to ask you very quickly, and I'm going to take a break. Did, do you think, was there anybody out there this weekend, we always like to talk about this, that had a worse weekend than Hugh Freeze? Mm. Does anybody even come close? No, I don't think so. Okay. We'll, we'll have to come up with a list of candidates, but yeah. it's hard to beat a 21-point loss. A 21-point loss as a 25-point favorite is uh, it's hard to beat. I'm with you. All right, uh, we'll take a break. This is the opening kickoff, Baumhauer's Victory Grill, happy hour every day from 11 to 6. And we're going to be very happy to be talking to our good friend George Burlock, as well as one of the all-time greats out of the Mobile area, Willie Anderson, when we come back on the sports station, WNSP. This is Andrew Zow, Alabama former quarterback. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. All right, we're about ready to be joined by one of the all-time greats out of the Greater Mobile area. Out of the George Burlock. Well, he's next. Very good, Michael. He is. But, George, if you don't mind, with uh, apologies, uh, Willie Anderson's got to catch a flight to Mobile because he's got a speech to do tonight. Willie, a long time lineman, uh, went to Auburn, uh, played at Viger, and then, of course, many, many years, what, about 15 or 16 years in the NFL. Willie, good morning. Thanks for joining us. How are you today? Doing good, guys. How about yourself? Tell us about the uh, event tonight. Uh, I, I understand there's still tickets available at the uh, Battle House uh, as for the uh, Palmer Williams group. You're going to be the guest speaker. Tell us about it. Yes, yeah, so, um, just um, uh, coming home to, to help Sherman um, raise money for his program. He's been doing a lot of great things in the community with his football team and his foundation, the Palmer Williams group. And um, 
just an event to, to raise money for the different programs that he does in the city with the youth. And um, that's one of the things I'm, I'm passionate about um, as I have my um, football academy that works with kids and uh, and college and pro guys as well. So just coming back home to, to tell some good stories about the Iron Bowl and my experiences over, over, over my lifetime. Yeah, and your academy, don't you work mostly with linemen? Yeah, it's, it's, it's my academy, the Willie Anderson Lineman Academy, yes. And that's still up in Atlanta, or have you spread out? You know, we, we, we still, we're still based out of Atlanta, but we, we travel, and, and we, we have kids across the country that are playing high school football and college. We have pro guys that, that we consult with, so um, um, we also travel and do these football camps. So it, it's definitely spread out. Um, I started back in 2016, and definitely it's, it's been um, a great experience for myself helping these guys out at that position. Willie, uh, I want to get your take on the Auburn game on Saturday. There have been a lot of words tossed around on this one. Uh, what was, you, How did you take this loss? This, this past weekend? The Auburn game against New Mexico State. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it definitely. I, I took it the way everybody else took it. It was definitely a shocker. Um, you definitely didn't, didn't expect to you know, lose a game like that, but the team came in very well prepared. They, they played really hard. They were um, uh, watching the game. You can see the physicality that they had off, off of the line, uh, running the football and pass protection. So they did a good job, man. And um, it, it's really no excuse for it. I'm, I'm sure um, Coach Freeze and the guys will tell you the same thing. But, you know, coming to this week right here, you, you, you're you looking for um, a lot more passion, a lot more energy. It's going to be a home game. And, um, we, we all know what, what Alabama's about. And if you don't match their intensity, especially up front, the game get out of hand real quick, <laughs> you know. Willie, New Mexico State had as many rushing yards, I believe, as Auburn did total yards. I mean, have you ever seen anything like that, like a non-Power 5 team coming into Jordan-Hare like that? It was, it was just unbelievable. It definitely was unbelievable. Like I say, up front, they really dominated up front. Um, it, it, it really was just a, a fan of off of the line play. It was a, it was a great game for me to watch that. Those inside guys, what they were doing, um, playing knockback football, and that's usually something you see SEC teams do. So to see that was very shocking. I'm sure it's definitely. Uh, I'm sure it's an embarrassment to those guys, and because they have been playing hard and, and, and playing uh, some good football the last three weeks. But for that to happen is inexcusable. And like I say, up front. You just don't think a team like Mexico State can come in and dominate on the line of scrimmage, on, really on both sides of the football. So that's a problem. I'm sure it's a it's an issue that, that we've had for a long time at Auburn. Um, uh, comes down to recruiting those big guys, and everyone wants to everyone everyone wants to go get the shiny new things, the receivers and running backs and DBs. But in that league right there, if you don't have the the true big guys who can dominate guys and really have pros up front. It's going to be hard, and but to have that kind of loss at home to that team, like I say, it's, it's, it's an embarrassment because I, I even said it on, on Twitter. I, have, I got friends from my ex-teammates in the NFL calling laughing, like, man, yo, what is that right there? And, and you really can't explain it. it, it there's no excuse. Willie Anderson joining us for just a few more minutes. He's got to catch a plane to get here to Mobile. He's the guest speaker at the Palmer Williams get-together tonight at 5.30. Willie, would you be surprised if Auburn upsets Alabama? Um, you know, under Gus Malzahn, these kind of things kind of happen a lot. You know, Auburn will be down, and 
all of a sudden they, they go out and beat Alabama. But, you know, it's going to be a tough game because I'm sure Nick Saban is going to have those guys mentally focused. And, you know I me, mean? but as an Arbor and fan, alumni, you're looking for just passion and energy playing the game. Like, that game right there, sometimes it's the, the, the records don't matter. It's a pride thing, especially coming off last week loss. You better come to this game kind of pissed off and kind of represent your home base, you know. And playing in front of Auburn home crowd again, you know, it's, like I said, it's a pride thing. It's a, it's a self-pride thing. Those kind of things come into place when you're when you're losing. And my first seven years in the NFL, I played on a really bad team. But I wanted I wanted people to know me individually. That when that film get turned on individually, you're not going to say that Willie Anderson gave up. That Willie Anderson was not a good football player even though the team was losing. So it comes down to self-individual pride and each one of those groups are front. And I keep, I know I keep saying and harping on it, the offense and the defensive line got to have a bounce back game. And that group, those two groups in particular, have to show up and play better and have prideful. They're playing at home, playing in one of the biggest rivalry games in the country. Willie, I can't thank you enough. I'll let you go. I know you got to get catch that plane, get to Mobile, and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thanks, guys. May I say this? I just hope those who vote get it right and get Willie into the into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He came close. It was last year. Hoping that this thing gets done and he gets in where he belongs. What do you have? Like 15, 16 years in the yeah, NFL. Yeah, he was a really, really good player he for a long a, time. Uh, he was like an anchor of that line. All right, well, uh, you were very nice enough to give George Sporlock a extra credit. George is with us, as he always is when we come to Victory Grill, Baumhauer's Victory Grill. George, welcome back. How you doing? I'm doing great. Good to be with you. Great to be uh, able to listen to, to Willie, a big fan, even though I've rooted for the team across the state forever. Um, it's, I'm a big fan of his, and I agree he needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Presley Roofing is our team of the day. George, of course, owns it. And you've been in business how long now? Since I was born, I think. Yeah, you were 49. Okay, so you were two years old. Two years old when you got going. So my wife's uh, grandfather started the business in 1949. Um, Many years later, uh, Samantha's dad took it over. And then um, my wife, actually, let's give her the credit. She's the real boss at Presley Roofing. And, uh, yeah, we're just very thankful to be able to carry on the family uh, business and the legacy that – that really was was said as a, a company that takes care of folks and uh, out in the community and, and does a good job. Let me ask you something. I had this story from last week. I held it over knowing I was going to be talking to you. Did you see the story where the roof at the TGL's SoFi Center collapsed in Florida overnight, and that led to the disruption to the construction of the arena? That's where Tiger Woods and Roy McIlroy's new indoor golf league. Yeah. How long would it take to put that roof together if you were doing it? Oh, I mean, it's it's... Hard to say. I mean, I'm guessing that was some newfangled construction that they did, and they had a weak weight. Said it was like an electrical fl- failure or something uh, like that. Hard so. to know. I, it probably was a structural failure, and so uh, there are going to be a lot of things involved before they can put that on. But you're probably talking about a week or ten days to get that thing back like it needs to be. Yeah, because I know they're going to delay the start of the league. All right, what do our listeners need to know about signing up with Presley Roofing? Well, I was thinking about, you know, it's uh, Thanksgiving week, and so um, the roof is usually one of the last things people are thinking about. Actually, it's one of the last things I'm thinking about. I'm ready for some turkey and dressing and stuff. But, um, you know, we've had some rain lately, and so if if your house uh, typically can get 
tree limbs and, and leaves and debris. You really need to be uh, aware of that. Take a look because the, the moisture from the rain can, can stay with the leaves and the limbs and the things and can help break down the, the shingles quicker than they need to be. The other thing is uh, the rain can move that stuff down into your gutters if they have them. You recommend gutters? I, I do. Um, you know, it depends on the situation, the structure of your house, and, and how bad your wife wants the flower garden to be protected. So there are a lot of things that get involved there. But, yeah, I mean, the gutter's installed properly, and the other part is maintained properly, right? Because right now, with this rain, you need to check your gutters because debris and, and uh, stuff off the shingles can actually get into the gutter and clog them up, and that'll give you problems. Do you ever clean gutters, Michael? Well, I live in an apartment no, right no, no, now. No, 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 I don't mean now. When I was in Jersey, I had to clean my parents' gutters periodically. I hated it. You're on the ladder, yeah. all that garbage in there, the mush, the, the mud, yeah. the leaves. It was brutal. I'm hoping to have a house next year, so we'll see. Maybe maybe I'll happen to be clean some clean some gutters once again. I haven't had to do that in a long time. I got so. some, I got some guys that are that love cleaning gutters. So. <laughs> Nobody can love cleaning gutters. You know what they love? They love to get paid on Friday. That's good, but you got to go up on the ladder. Yep. All right. Who's uh, what's your score for the uh, Iron Bowl this Saturday, George? Well, it, you know, I, I really believe Alabama will handle the game. It feels, you know, I'm sure rat poison is going to be talked about a lot early in the week just simply because of what happened at Jordan Hare on Saturday. But I do see uh, a 42-14 or 42-10 oh, type beat game. Down. Yeah, yeah. Beat down. Oh, yeah. Team of the day is Presley Roofing. That's right. It's good to see you, my friend. Thank you. Please call 457-6598. Go, slow, go slower on that. Nobody can write that fast. Okay. Go very slow on that number. Two five one four five seven six five nine eight. Six five nine eight. That'll get it done. Yes, sir. All right. How soon can we get you out there? If I have a leak on my roof, let's say Wednesday, how soon can I get you out there? <laughs> it's probably going to be Monday. Oh no! Come on. <laughs> I mean, it is Thanksgiving week. Oh, weekend. come on, George. I'm going to call you personally if I have a leak in the roof. Well, if you call me, then it's like uh, same day. Okay. It's good right. to know. It's great to see you again. Thanks. Good to see you. Thank great you. Great having you on. By the way, you did a good job for Mobile Christian. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. Yes. So did you. Thank you. You did. A I saw George job. there. Did you? I did. Wow, we had the one-two combo. It was it was it was good stuff. All right, how about this? Another number. Now I'm not going to come. I'm not saying this was worse than Freeze. Nobody had a worse weekend than Freeze. But how about Lincoln Riley? Yeah, I mean I, that I, wasn't even a close game. I saw a tweet because uh, obviously a lot of discussion over the last month or so has been about Chip Kelly on the hot seat. Someone said maybe the wrong coach in Los Angeles is on the hot seat. And again, if it weren't for a ninety million dollar buyout, I believe it would be for Lincoln Riley. You know, maybe he would be on the 90, hot seat. It's, it, it's something like that because he got a similar ten year deal or whatever it was to, uh, and it might have even been for more money than Jimbo got. Uh, but yeah, I mean he's he has no chance of being fired because of that. Uh, and he should get another year or two. But you know how I feel about Lincoln Riley. I'm, I'm just about bound on him. How about the Florida State coach? Yes, a win against a team they're supposed to win. But you lose your starting quarterback now with yeah. Florida and Louisville and then hoping to get into the Final Four. Yeah, and now you got to go to Florida next week. And I didn't love them in that spot before Travis got hurt. So we'll see what happens next week. Obviously, you're down 13 nothing in North Alabama. You don't lo you don't love that result, but you know they scored I think 58 unanswered, whatever it was. Uh, so they'll be all right. All right, we're coming up to a break, and we'll have our third hour. Uh, Michael and I will be back to talk more about Alabama and Auburn, a preview of the uh, Iron Bowl, and also 
looking ahead to the college football playoff poll, which comes out tomorrow night, do we anticipate any chances, changes in that? Also, uh, we'll talk to um, Mr. Ferguson, uh, Justin Ferguson, on the Auburn Tigers. Also, we'll have a Chick-fil-A giveaway. So all that in hour number three. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. All right, we still have about five days to go. Uh, before the Iron Bowl. And I was thinking about this. Yes, Auburn, one of the worst, if not the worst, loss, certainly the turn of the century since 2000. All right? And they've only lost like one game to a non uh, Power Five team. I think that was South Florida, uh, maybe 07. Uh, I would almost compare this to Nick Saban's first year losing to ULM. However, here's my point. I think this is going to make Auburn hungrier. I'm not saying they're going to win, Michael. I know they're a 14-and-a-half-point underdog. I may decide to say, well, I'll take the points in Auburn because games at Jordan here. But I also understand, too, that the favorite team usually wins. It's interesting because Auburn seemed to be turning a corner over those last few weeks. And obviously, I, I maybe maybe you expected different. I expected them to you know, handle New Mexico State fairly easily, um, you know, at least by a few touchdowns, and that would have placed them coming into the Iron Bowl with four straight wins, four straight, you know, pretty pretty dominating wins, and, uh, you know, from strictly a fan perspective, quote-unquote, that, w- that would have had Alabama fans, I think, at least fairly nervous headed into headed into Jordan-Hare Stadium in a, in a road Iron Bowl matchup, and now it's... It has a little bit of a different feel. You, you, there's kind of a, uh, a stink on that Auburn team that it's like, all right, like they really are the team that they kind of showed to be at the beginning of the season, whereas, you know, over the last few weeks, it's like, all right, they figured something out. Kind of like you're riding along the highway and you get a flat tire. Mm. And you're like, uh-oh, this isn't good. Yeah. And there's no tire place nearby. And then, of course, if you have AAA like I do, you usually have to wait about an hour or so. So that's the way the feeling I had. They just had a total flat tire because they had nothing going on defense. They had nothing going on offense. And it, it, it to me, it was like the defense couldn't prevent first downs from New Mexico State, and the offense couldn't garner first downs because if you look at this discrepancy in plays and time consumed, it is incredible that you could play at home at Jordan-Hare with the crowd behind you and be dominated by New Mexico State. Like I said, too, it's almost like uh, we were fooled a little bit over the past few weeks. So now you can point to this whole Auburn season, and, uh, you know, there's almost – there's unless – I suppose if you could, if you win the Iron Bowl, you can you can argue that Hugh Freeze's first season was a success. But assuming you don't win the Iron Bowl, there's almost no argument to be made that the first season for Hugh Freeze, outside of recruiting, was a success. I mean, 
Point to the big win this year for Auburn. I get you had them fooled over the past couple weeks. Obviously, you go to Arkansas and beat them by 38. Okay, Arkansas is one in six in the SEC. Sam Pittman was on the brink of being fired. I guess he's not being fired, which, by the way, was kind of a huge surprise to hear yesterday. And you know, I'm a big fan of Sam Pittman. I don't know if it's the best decision to not fire him because I don't think he's a great coach and the team is horrible. But I do like him. I'm glad to see him stick around. Uh, you know, it would have been funny uh, to that, see. That'd make him feel good. Well, I, I like him. <laughs> Hey, uh, my family, uh, Michael Brower, Bronner likes me, even though he wants to be fired. I don't want him fired, because, you know, it's fine It's fine to see him stick around. Although, I would have liked to have seen, you know, maybe Gus Malzahn considered for that job. You that know, for years, Paul Feinbaum was known as the coach killer. Are you trying to take that title away from him? Well, I'm not the, uh, no, I don't want to be the coach killer. Yeah, and I want Sam Pittman to keep it. I mean, the team is 1-6 in, in the SEC, and they they lost all, this Auburn team by 38 at home. I, yeah, I mean, that was a total domination. I, I don't know what more evidence you need. I guess they've done okay in recruiting, but uh, again, Sam Pittman, he's one of the best guys in the SEC. He's entertaining. I like him. Uh, so it's nice to see him stick around and, and see the team. It seemed, seemed like the team was very happy to hear the announcement that he's going to be sticking around. He's a player's coach. Everyone likes the guy. But again, you know, they have been atrocious this year. So, I don't know. Uh, it's good to see him stick around. But again, back to Auburn, uh, you know, your three big wins, quote-unquote, are over Arkansas, over Vanderbilt, and over Mississippi State. So it's like, where, where's the big win? On the road against Cal? You know, against Samford? Against UMass? It's, it's not there. It doesn't exist. So, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I just, unless you win the Iron Bowl, there's no world where you can argue that this was a successful first season for Hugh Freeze. Again, he's done a really good job in recruiting, and is probably going to continue to do a good job in recruiting. So it's, it is kind of similar to that 07 season for Nick Saban. Yeah, with all these openings, I wonder if somebody's now putting on their uh, cell phone list Jerry Kill's number. Mm. Yeah. I mean, he, going into the game, we all knew he was a really good coach. We knew that. He was at Minnesota for years. I know there's been an illness attached to him. I didn't even know he got back into coaching. And what he has done with New Mexico State is nothing short of sensational. That being said, we talked about Northwestern, maybe the biggest turnaround. They're bowl eligible and the disastrous start they had with the hazing scandal. So I don't I think all the teams in the top ten, help me if I'm wrong on this, all of them won, right? I believe so, everyone so, in the top ten. Yeah, Louisville was like ten. They won. Missouri, great win for them, a comeback win for them. Nobody that Auburn, Alabama needed to jump over lost. The only one that lost to me was Florida State losing their number one quarterback and what that's going to entail, going to Florida and then playing Louisville. But so I, I guess we're not going to see too much of a change. I guess the only change you could possibly make, if you want to, is Washington over Florida State. But Florida State, even though they didn't play anybody, our good friend uh, Brent Dearman in North Alabama, they had a convincing win. I wouldn't be shocked to see Florida State drop out of the top four. And it, I mean, you could make the argument, you know, they lost their starting quarterback. They were also down 13 nothing to North Alabama. Again, they rattled off. 58 straight points so it's hard to argue you know yes they were trailing to north alabama which is a which is a bad stat to uh to have to say but you know again i think washington and oregon are both better than florida state i don't think florida state with jordan travis is all that good so 
we'll see what happens. Uh, I think if there was a week to move Florida State down, it would be this week. Uh, the, now, that doesn't really affect Texas or Alabama, because if Florida State were to move down, it wouldn't be past five or six. Uh, it would just be outside of the top four. So, you know, Alabama's going to stay where they're at at eight. You know, Iowa State flirted for a little while with Texas, but they just they couldn't get it done. Did you see what happened with uh, the blocked extra point? Iowa State it was 13 to three. They scored a touchdown, cut it to 13 to nine, and then uh, we're trying to make it a three-point game with the extra point. Texas blocked the extra point, returned, <laughs> turned it all the way to make it 15 to nine. So then Iowa State was was trying to drive at the end, but they were down 10 instead of what should have been seven. I they were just, they weren't very good. They never really had a real chance to win that game. So. Unfortunate. Uh, Texas will have Texas Tech next week. We'll see what happens there, and then uh, on to the Big 12 championship. Do you have a prediction on who you think, if Texas beats Texas Tech, they go to the Big 12 title game, but against who? There's about four or five teams in a logjam. I believe it's going to be Oklahoma State by matchup, although I guess they lost again. Uh, I've I got to look at look at exactly what's going we on know there. the ACC is Louisville, Florida State. We got that one. Big Ten, was Iowa. Non- Go ahead. It was a non-conference loss, the third one, for obviously lost to South Alabama as well. Uh, so they're 8-3, and three, but they're still second place in the Big 12. Remember, they beat Oklahoma. Uh, so I think it's going to be Oklahoma State. Kansas State also sitting at 6-2. and two, So I guess uh, you know the last week decides it. By tiebreaker right now, though, it looks like Oklahoma State would be playing Texas. Iowa clinches the Big Ten West. A 15-13 to 13 win over Illinois. I, I can't recall a team that was so bad on offense that goes to a title game, and then they will face either the winner, the uh, they will face either Ohio State or Michigan for the right to win the Big Ten title. But there's no way. Let's say, let's just say you had the wildest upset in Big Ten history. If Iowa won that game, there's no way the committee put, could put them in, could they? Yeah, the Big Ten gets left out of the playoffs that in that possible? scenario, okay. probably. Uh, or with the team that lost, that was the next point. Either Michigan or Ohio State, maybe go by bypass the Big Ten championship right into the final that four. Would, that would be something. I I I don't think you could say like, hey, Ohio State. I know you lost to Michigan, and Michigan. Uh, you know, they would all have one loss at that point. Iowa, uh, Michigan. Let's say they beat Ohio State and lost to Iowa. They would have the worst loss in that scenario and they beat Ohio State. I don't think you could put in Ohio State over Michigan at that point. No, I think depending on what happens with the Pac-12 with Alabama and Georgia, you know, I think that would open the door back up for if Alabama were to beat Georgia for both Alabama and Georgia to make it, whereas we've talked about only one SEC team making it. I think that would open a lot more doors. Again, let's make no mistake about it. The Big Ten Championship is going to be played in Ann Arbor this weekend. I don't think Iowa has much of a shot, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, fun to, it's fun to hypothesize for sure. I think they ought to send somebody there to take a look at the signs. Yeah, I, 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 heard, uh, I heard Connor Stallion's brother is going to be in, uh, in Iowa City this weekend scouting, the <laughs> scouting them out, you know, because they, they have a mean offense that, can, that needs to be scouted. That can really put you to sleep, that offense. By the way, we haven't even mentioned, congratulations, Georgia. 28 straight, that ties an mm. SEC record with Alabama. 28 straight wins. They just smoked Tennessee, they too, did. didn't they? Uh, they are, like, we've said this a couple weeks ago. They seem to really be hitting a stride. Obviously, we've, we've talked a lot about the possibility that Alabama, you know, goes 12-1, and beats Georgia. Can they go to the playoff? Will they get left out? All, all these possibilities. 
Obviously, Alabama needs to win the Iron Bowl this week, which I think they're going to do. Alabama, this Georgia team is so good in playing their best football right now. I, I'm not going to say Alabama can't beat them. They certainly can, but this is going to be, you know, an immense challenge. I, I don't know if, uh, you know, I, I think the point spread, you know, early point spread on the SEC championship is around three and a half, four and a half. I don't think that's enough. I think it really should be a touchdown in favor of Georgia. Uh, they really are the number one team in the country. So, again, they need to go 13-0, though, so we'll see what happens. Take a break. We'll come back. And let's see, at 8.30, we're going to do a Chick-fil-A. We're also going to talk to Justin Ferguson, get his take on the Auburn loss to New Mexico State. So that's all coming up. Got a scoreboard check with weather and also traffic. So stay tuned. We are broadcasting live at Baumhauer's Victory Grill. By the way, uh, thinking Christmas, maybe some gift cards. You get some bonus gift cards by coming out to Victory Grill. Bob mentioned the sauces. You know, a six-pack of those sauces comes in mighty handy. And especially you put a bow on it, uh, or and with a gift card to uh, Baumhauer's. That can get you by very easily. Very successful there, Michael. It's just a thought. All right. I want to thank Nathan back in our studio. And this is the opening kickoff, WNSP, WNSP.com. Hi, this is Philip Rivers, football coach at St. Michael Catholic. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio. Usher in this segment featuring Jan Infinger, our good friend from Greer's Market, and of course, Cash Saver. Jan, happy Thanksgiving. Good morning. Good morning, Lee, and happy Thanksgiving to you and everybody there. I'm excited to be on the call with you this morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Well, I thought it was only only appropriate because as, as our listeners are putting their menu together, What should they know about Greer's as far as getting all the things they need for that Thanksgiving Day table this coming Thursday? All right. You know me. I could go on and on and on. But I think the main thing is um, we are open until noon on Thursday. Many places are closed. And if if our shoppers are like me, I've, I've always forgotten something last minute needed. So we're there till noon. And also um, our groceries to go, online shopping. If you're so busy, you can place your order online up until, you know, Wednesday evening, and we'll be happy to get it all ready for you curbside, or it can be delivered. So the only other, uh, another thing, Lucy Greer has all of our deli bakeries preparing Thanksgiving dinners. So you have a choice of ham or turkey and two sides. And, you know, Lucy, uh, all of her recipes are online. So if you just can't think of what to fix, you can check out Greer's.com. Lucy's recipes and all of the ingredients are at Greer's. We guarantee it. Jan, your favorite side dish for Thanksgiving. Oh, my favorite side dish for Thanksgiving is yes. like a sweet potato casserole. My sister, Tuta, makes the best. 
And so um, mom always has all of us, and we enjoy everybody brings something. Um, and so that's my favorite. What about you? Wardoff salad. The Wardoff salad. Uh, my wife makes it, and so does my granddaughter. It's great. Hey, guess what? Well, that's, that's what I have to make this year. Not have to, but going to. I might call <laughs> you afterwards and get your recipe. Well, you're not going to get much from me, but from members of my family, you'd have a better shot. I saw the ingredients before I left home today. Jan, a very happy Thanksgiving to our good friends at Greer's. Thank you so much. Our title sponsor for high school football, uh, my good friend here, my uh, companion today, Michael Broner, has mentioned Greer's a lot, especially when he's doing Sarah Land games with all the breaks we get with scores. Thanks so much, Jan. Thank you, Lee. Happy Thanksgiving. You bet. Yeah, the Eagles Market Game of the Week takes you where this week? Sarah Land, undefeated Hillcrest, Tuscaloosa, and Sarah Land getting to make our return to Spartan Stadium. We'll see. Uh, you know, hope, hopefully we got two more games left of the Greer's Market High School Game of the Week. What a season it's been. Yeah, it has. And, and we, we still have, what, three undefeated? Gulf Shores undefeated? Sarah Land undefeated? Mobile Christian undefeated? Mary G. Montgomery undefeated. Right, exactly. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have left them out. They, they do, do, they do play Central Phoenix City on they should, Friday. They should have just retired Central Phoenix City. And, and you were a little surprised when I told you they're in the Eastern Time Zone. I, Corey, I don't Corey get told me that on Friday, and I said, I, I, they're in the state of Alabama. I was unaware that the state of Alabama was a, was a split time zone state, so that was new information to me. All right. I don't know what else you, we can layer on Auburn. Frustrating, embarrassing, uh Worst loss. I don't know what words, what adjectives you want to uh, throw on. But we'll get Justin Ferguson's uh, viewpoint on it, plus the Chick-fil-A giveaway coming up next. We are at Baumhauer's Victory Grill. They're open Wednesday till 10, but they'll be shut down on Thursday. So get your party platter orders in in the next two or three days. Seven times a day Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A yeah, 6.30 time I actually gave the answer away to this question But I kind of did it on purpose For the Chick-fil-A gift card Call Nathan with the answer Name the last non-power five-team to beat Auburn at home. Now, that's the key, at home, at Jordan-Hare. Name the last non-Power 5 team in a non-Power 5 conference to beat the Auburn Tigers. If you know the answer, 694-1055. I want answers from Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Justin, welcome to the show. Happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Good morning. Uh, good morning. How are you all? I've heard it all. I've heard, well, we weren't looking ahead to Alabama. Uh, no excuse. How in the world did that happen on Saturday to get so dominated by New Mexico State? Uh, we've talked about this for three hours now. How did you see it? Yeah, no, I, I think it was a case of Auburn 
uh, coming out very, very flat and playing just very uninspired, uh, just bad football against a New Mexico State team that had a great game plan coming in. Um, work the clock, uh, play side to side, um, you know, and, and try to limit how many times Auburn touched the ball. And Auburn just flat out did not play well in, in any area, um, you know, and, and, it, and it was surprising because it was not, you know, the past month you, you saw Auburn play better football. They weren't world beaters by any means. They haven't beaten a great team. Uh, and, heck, New Mexico State might be the best team they've, <laughs> they've played in the last month since, you know, honestly, the Ole Miss game. And, and yet it was just really, really just execution, effort, everything. Like, Auburn just did not look ready to play. And New Mexico State was not the team to mess around with. And, uh, you know, not only did they lose, they got beat soundly. And, uh, I mean, it is – I would say it's probably the mo- it's probably the worst loss in program history. You, you you know you've had close calls. You've you've lost to um, you know lower ranked teams, smaller teams before, but to lose by 21 is just it, it really is a, is is a day that is just gonna gonna stick out for a very long time. Justin, I, I, you bring up a good point. The the fact that they lost by 21. You know, Auburn had, or New Mexico State rather, had as many rushing yards as Auburn had total yards. I mean, can you remember a time that they were just so severely dominated by a non-SEC opponent like this? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to give away your trivia question answer, but it, it's been a very long time <laughs> since Auburn has gotten into has been into, the, into this point. Um, you know, and and it was. It was a case, I think, on Saturday of just, I mean, on both sides of the ball, they just they just got worked at the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, you, you look at the offensive line that had dominated Arkansas a week earlier. They turn around, they just couldn't get anything going on the ground. Um, and, and, you know, uh, Peyton Thorne just had to scramble a ton, too. The protection was really bad. And then on the defensive side, I mean, Auburn has been playing really good defense this year. Uh, for the most part, just getting stops, getting off the field. And they weren't able to do that as well. New Mexico State just kept getting like nickel and nickel and dime them all the way up the field and, and working that clock. You know, uh, LSU is the only other team that has scored 30 points on Auburn this year, and so I think that kind of says a lot about just how badly Auburn played on Saturday. It just comes back to me to the line of scrimmage, um, and it is rare because you know we have seen times this season where Auburn's offensive line has not been great. We have seen where their defensive line has not made impact in the game. Um, we have seen them play well, though, in in certain SEC matchups. And for them to revert the way they did on the offensive and the defensive front against a team like New Mexico State is just, you know, that that that's something that just can't happen. And and you know, it's a huge reason why, um, you know, not only did they lose on Saturday, they 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 it, it never really seemed competitive for most of that game. Justin, I have just been told that we did get a winner on our trivia, so so fear not on spoiling, talking about that Southern Miss game. Yeah, no, I mean it's Southern Miss in, in '91, and see, they lost in '92 to Southern Miss, and they have Brett Favre, and uh, you know you don't excuse everything with that, but it was you know they lost to Brett Favre uh, one year, but the next year they lost again to a non-Brett Favre Southern Miss team, and so yeah, I mean, the, but that's still the thing though about the, about this loss is that. You know, we can we can go back to, I mean, they lost to South Florida. Uh, you know, and South Florida was still in the Big East back then. You know, they had those close calls against, like, Utah State and Jacksonville State and Georgia State and some of these others 
over the years, but they either won those games or lost them really close, you know, overtime or something like that. This game, no. I mean, Auburn never led in this game. Uh, they were only tied very briefly in it. And, um, you know, it's just it, – it, it is it is about as bad of a loss as you could possibly have. Talking with uh, Justin Ferguson, you know, you can't really, I don't think, in a sense – blame the preparation because certainly Hugh Freeze lost when he was at Liberty to New Mexico State so I'm sure he must have warned his team like he must have said look I got beat by this team last year and you know I got to tell you their quarterback was pretty tricky he's good Uh, at least he was when I saw him Saturday I I don't remember how you say it Pavida or something like that Mm -hmm. he was impressive yeah, no, he played really well. New Mexico State's got a good offense. They've won six in a row, and, and they were coming into the game. They were fearless. And that's what I go back to is, just, look, Mississippi State, when they beat Mississippi State, they've already fired their coach. They beat Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's going to probably end the season on a 10-game losing streak. They're gonna, they, they beat Arkansas. You know, Arkansas's not firing Sam Pittman, but everybody thought they were going to um, at this point. So in New Mexico State like was playing with actual momentum, and they came in with a game plan and was fearless against them. And that's the thing is that we heard Hugh Freeze talk during the week. Hey, we've got to be mature. We've got to take this team seriously, and, and we can't overlook them. Well, they didn't. Uh, they, they didn't at all. Um, they, they did not look prepared to play. Um, they, did not, they did not execute anything, and it's like – Freeze said there was nothing during the week of practice that kind of like showed him that like, hey, we're not going to, you know, we're going to play as flat as we did. I mean, I don't think anything you could have seen in practice would have expected losing by 21 in New Mexico State. But there was some sort of disconnect there. And, you know, that's the thing I think is pretty troubling about it for Auburn is that you look at it and say, okay, even if you don't have the roster that you want right now, and a lot of the rebuild that Hugh Freeze is going through right now is going to be dependent on how well they can recruit, I think Saturday showed that, like, hey, just recruiting better players is not going to fix all your problems because you had better players than New Mexico State did, and they look like a much better team than you. Um, so they, this has got to be like you got to find some answers. You got to you got to really get dig down because you know Freeze lost to New Mexico State last year as a big favorite. You know, a couple of years ago we lost to ULM as a favorite when he was at Liberty. You need to make sure this is not a trend because Auburn, you know, if you want to long-term be successful, Auburn, yeah, you get knocked off, you're going to lose, you're going to get upset from time to time. That's going to happen. But doing it is such a big favorite, and it's becoming kind of a thing that's happened the last few years. That's something you really, really need to to reverse. And so it, it was a was a pretty big wake-up call. And I think the tough part here is for Auburn is that, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that loss is not going to hurt them a ton in where the direction of the program is. Like, they're still making a ball game this year. They're still needing to lean on recruiting and all that to, to rebuild. But it's going to be something that people will get to point back to. And if Auburn doesn't um, respond from this and they don't play well Saturday against Alabama and they struggle at times next season, it's just easy ammunition for people to point back to and say, okay, remember this? Remember what happened here? Um, it, it's just it, it's just a really really bad loss um, that can you know that people can use to point back to things going badly for Auburn. Talking to Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Yeah, let's talk about recruiting for a minute because if there's one saving grace on this season, 
you know, it would be the fact that Hugh Freeze is building some serious momentum in the in the recruiting aspect. I think a lot of people pointed to, you know, with this loss, a lot of people said, well, Nick Saban lost to ULM in 2007, and then Saban went on a, an insane recruiting run that following offseason and brought in, you know, the core that would turn the program around. Do you see it as kind of similar for Auburn? Obviously, Freeze already developing a serious, uh, serious momentum on the recruiting trail, and, you know, there hasn't been a lot to be excited about on the field this year in the first year on the field with Hugh Freeze. Yeah, no, I mean, I think they, I think this, this, this rebuild, like I said, was going to be dependent on recruiting. Um, you've had, I mean, you look at Auburn season so far, you're like, all right, you, you won the games you're supposed to win. You blew out Arkansas when you weren't supposed to blow them out. And then you lost badly to, UL, uh, to sorry, to Mexico State when you're supposed to lose. So it means like, our last couple of weeks have only been kind of out of the out of the ordinary for this team, and so recruiting had to be the it had to be the thing that you had to really point to and say, okay, this is clearly what's getting better. Here's what's clearly the progress you can see Auburn making, and they have. I mean, this is a class that's kind of flirting with top 15 right now. They've got a really good shot of going on a run here down the stretch and freeze, as we saw when he got to Auburn last year and throughout its history. You know, late November, early December, flipping guys is just kind of his M.O., and that's what they've done. They did it last year when they got guys like Connor Lou and Keldrick Falk and, um, you know, Kai and Lee, who are all guys that have played significant roles for Auburn this year as true freshmen. I can see them kind of getting on another run here. Obviously, Cam Coleman's the one everyone's going to be talking about with A&M firing Jimbo Fisher. Coleman being a guy that's visited Auburn a ton. He's from right down the road here at Central Phoenix City, one of the best wide receivers in the country. It would be huge, and they are looking to really get a ton of guys on the, you know, at wide receiver to step up. They're looking to flip guys from Florida. They're looking to flip guys from A&M. They're looking to flip guys. You know, they probably, you know, they flip Perry Thompson from Alabama. Could they go get another guy from Alabama? Whether it be like a like a Jeremiah Beeman or a, or a Ryan Williams, they're gonna try. And and I think they're not gonna get everybody they want, obviously. But if Auburn has the success like they could have down the stretch here in the recruiting class. You're looking at something close to a top 10 class, and that's where they just need to be to get the rebuild going. Like I said, you know, recruiting's not going to solve all your problems. You have better players in New Mexico State on Saturday and still lost badly to them. Uh, but um, long-term, um, for the program, big picture-wise, you have to recruit to win when you're playing Alabama and Georgia and LSU and teams like that, uh, you, you know, A&M year in and year out. Um, and so um, that is a sign that things are heading in the right direction. And, and, uh, and I think Auburn was heading in the right direction this season until last week. And now it's just, okay, can you pick up the pieces and make something happen in the Iron Bowl and at least be competitive at home in Jordan-Hare Stadium? Um, that could, they, it could go a long way in helping out your recruiting class. Before I let you go, give us uh, your take now on the Iron Bowl. And did Saturday's, let's say, beatdown, change your opinion of Auburn going into the uh, game on Saturday at Jordan-Hare? I, I want to say it did because, you know, I, I go back to the line of scrimmage thing, and it's like, you know, if you're having a hard time at the line of scrimmage with New Mexico State, well, that's that's where Alabama can really get you, especially their defensive front. They've had such a great defensive uh, season, and, and their offense has ironed out some of their issues that they had, you know, early on in the year. Um I, the one thing I keep going back to in my head, though, is that, you know, it's injured in hair, and I have just seen so many times here recently where this game just gets competitive. Like last time, you know, 2021, Auburn was falling apart. T.J. Finley was playing on one leg. Bo Nix was out for the season, 
and Auburn had a real shot of winning that game, um, and probably should have if, if they had made a couple made a couple better decisions down the stretch. Um, you know, you beat them in 19, you beat them in 17, you beat them in um, 13. Obviously, 09 was a close call. 11 and 15 are really the only ones where Bama's gone in and really just taken care of business. Now they could do that on Saturday, but you know, I just think for Auburn is that if you can chalk up their issues against New Mexico State is, hey, we weren't focused, hey, we didn't give the right effort, and we just got punched in the mouth and never recovered. If you want to chalk it up to all that, sure. That's not a good sign for the coaching staff, but you can, you can look at it like that. I don't think those are going to be issues against Alabama, and I think they're going to be able to play at a, at a higher level. They just got to get back to playing the way they did pre-New Mexico State. If they can play like the team that you know went on the three-game losing streak, I think they can be competitive against Alabama. Do I think they can beat Alabama? Well, it's going to take a lot. It will take a lot to beat Alabama. But, um, you know, I just I look at this game and say that, you know, if, if Auburn doesn't come out flat and uninspired and, and kind of swings early with Alabama, they've got a really good – They've got really good potential to make this a good game, all the way to all the way to the fourth quarter. Same thing they did with Georgia earlier this season. Um, they just got to get back to that, and, uh, and you know maybe maybe the crowd and maybe just the motivation of just being in the Iron Bowl will help out. If not though, if they start flat and and they look sloppy early, Alabama's going to try to put it on them, and and you know it could it could get out of hand. But you know right now I would probably say. You know, I would probably lean towards Bama winning, but it would not be in a blowout. I think it could be a really competitive game, kind of like, like I said, kind of like the Georgia game earlier this year for Auburn. Before I let you go, tell our listeners how they can uh, get a hold of the Auburn Observer. Yeah, AuburnObserver.com. Check it out. It's $6 a month. It's $60 a year to get all the analysis for everything. Auburn football and men's basketball, busy week in both. Uh, there for, you know, for Auburn coming off this weekend, going to the Iron Bowl in football. Um, two big wins for Auburn basketball in Brooklyn, and they play again tomorrow night. So a uh, really good time to, to sign up because we've got a ton of stuff going on with both sports right now. AuburnObserver.com, sign up. You get all of our newsletters and all of our podcasts emailed to your inbox pretty much every morning at 6 a.m. Central Time. Appreciate it. You take care, Justin. Have a good week. Yeah, Happy Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Happy bit. Thanksgiving to you all. Thank you. All right, want to call your attention again. You've heard Mark talk about this quite frequently. The 11th Annual Rolling Tigers Booster Club Bash coming up December 6th from 6 to 9. There's a $10,000 drawdown. Only 300 tickets are sold. Being held at St. Dominic's Murphy Center and catered by Bay Gourmet and the DJ, our own Matt McCoy. Uh, there's an outstanding silent auction. Uh, several sports items. Auburn, Alabama, signed soccer ball by Paley. just goes on and on. If anybody wants to donate to the silent auction, you can contact Dr. Mike at 232-4753. This is uh, a great opportunity to support wheelchair sports at Auburn. The club was inspired by Mobile native Dr. Jared Rim, who was born by FIDA and became the first wheelchair athlete to compete for Auburn University. So again, December 6th, still tickets available, but there's only going to be 300 sold. Closing ceremonies coming up. I'll be back with Michael Bronner. Thanks to uh, Nathan uh, running the show back in our WNSP studio. Thank you for listening to WNSP 105.5 FM.
Michael. The doors open for lunch at 11 at Baumhauer's Victory Grill. They've got, uh, well, they've got a huge menu, I'll say that. I remember the last time I came here, I was torn. Uh, I usually get fish, some sort of fish. They have the salmon added now. Uh, but then sometimes I go to the, the little bowls that they have, uh, black beans and rice bowl and things like that. Uh, they seem to cater to just about anybody. If you like fried food, there's plenty of that. Obviously, with the uh, chicken wings, people love that. And again, I want to remind everybody that uh, they will take orders for party platters up through and including Wednesday. They will be closed Thanksgiving. I like all food. Everything, so. Everything's okay? Yeah. I like fried food, grilled food, salmon, chicken. I like all So you're food. easy to please. Unlike Generally. Me. I, I mean, I don't know. Some would say I'm picky. I don't think I'm picky. I think I'll eat most things. Well, like, for instance, uh, once in a while when I come here, I'll order the tailgate burger, which I, I kind of like. But I'll change the, the size. I don't get the gooey fries or the fries. I, I usually go for broccoli. Mm. i got to balance it out, you know, get my uh, See, I would nourishment. Eat, I would eat either. Uh, but I probably would not switch out fries for broccoli. Okay, we've uh, pretty well agreed that the uh, the individual or team that had the worst weekend was Hugh Freeze and Auburn. Um, and I brought up Lincoln Riley. I mean, I put him a distant second in that. Yeah. What have they lost, like five of their last six or something like that? It's just an incredible turnaround. What about the best of the weekend? Would it be Georgia? Winning 28 in a row now? Probably. They, uh, they're they they're hitting some kind of stride, aren't they? I, a huge win for Washington, too. Credit to them. I think a lot of people picked against them, myself included, uh, going on the road to Corvallis. Oregon State was 17-1 and or something like that in their last 18 home games, uh, at least against the spread, something like that. And, uh, you know, Washington went – I think people have been doubting them waiting, them, waiting for them to lose a game all season long. And I still do think they're going to lose in, in the Pac-12 championship to Oregon or whoever the case may be because I think Oregon, by the way, Bo Nix, six first-half touchdowns, they just destroyed Arizona State on the road. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But Washington was a team that a lot of people expected them to lose. It was raining in, in Corvallis, too, and they, they got another big win. So tonight on WNSP – some obviously the, the best matchup of the weekend and maybe best matchup to this point Eagles Kansas City kind of a rematch of the uh, Super Bowl the the Kelsey brothers in full force tonight one for the Eagles one for the Kansas City Chiefs we have the broadcast at seven how do you see this one playing out I lean slightly towards Kansas City uh, you know they're coming off of a bye they won in Germany the the week before against Miami, but you know had a had a brutal loss to Denver the week before that. Who, by the way, Denver's all of a sudden playing some really good football. Another big win last night after last week against Buffalo. So I lean slightly towards Kansas City because they're at home and they have Patrick Mahomes. And I've learned better after last year's playoffs than to pick against Patrick Mahomes after I did that in back-to-back games. Uh, but I do think the. Uh, the Eagles are a better team. I mean, Kansas City is—they uh, got problems on offense. Outside of outside of Kelsey, it's really all year. It's kind of been the issue. They don't have anyone that can beat you. But at the same time, it's also the first time I believe in the Mahomes era that they've had like a top ten defense. So you know, it's a it's a dangerous prospect. Uh, but I do think Philly is the better team. It's right around a pick 'em for me. I'll I'll go with Mahomes and the home team though. 
See how uh, fickle the NFL is. Yeah. For the uh, past three weeks, the 49ers quarterback, Brock Purdy, has been hearing it from the critics because they haven't won. So what does he do yesterday? He comes out, if there is such a thing, and, and this is what the NFL says, a perfect passing rating of 158 point something. Yeah, he was a really perfect good. perfect rating. Yeah. How... I didn't know you could get perfection in the NFL. Yeah, I think it, it's measured on like a 158.3 scale. And I, I hate passer rating. It's a weird made-up stat. But on that scale, it was uh, it, it was perfect. So so good on Purdy. And you, you said it. I mean, he's a guy who's taken a lot of criticism over the last month or so. And deservedly so. He hasn't been playing well. But he certainly came out yesterday and, and did his thing. Uh, I don't think Tampa Bay is, is great by any means. But... You know, that's a game you have to win, and they got it done. Who would you say right now, today, is playing the best quarterback in the NFL? Mm. Best. There hasn't really been great quarterback play, has there? No. Would you put, I'm thinking, yes, I would, at this point, golf. Of the Lions, like I, I, I think that's a fine, fine point people, to make, which because, is crazy. Because when that trade was made, Stafford to the Rams, I think most people thought Goff was going to get released eventually anyway, and they were going to, you know, build up with somebody else. But he has really been good, and the team has been really good. And as we get to the break now, uh, Thanksgiving Day game, Green Bay. And Detroit, Green Bay always used to be favorite of this game. Not so uh, this year. Detroit is uh, is off to their best start since like 1963, something like that. Good for Jared Goff. Yeah, I mean, you said it. The the Stafford trade has worked out very well in the favor of uh, in favor of Detroit. And all of a sudden, the Rams are you know two years removed from a Super Bowl, and they are pretty dreadful. So you know, it's it's nice for them. Nice having you out here, Michael. Thanks for coming out. I appreciate out. it. Nathan, out here. big thank you to you. Thanks to uh, Presley Roofing, our team of the day, and look forward to being back with you tomorrow. Dan Patrick is next. We've got the uh, final uh, drive coming up at 3 today, and, of course, NFL football tonight. Kansas City hosting Philadelphia. See you tomorrow.